yes, yes, hello, hello, just waiting on MP, that is Money Penny. good to see everybody in the room. Let's get some of these shares going, we got 37 here now, this is extremely important, so let's share this out to the room, say something nice. And now rocking with preservation of the human race, this is Zensei, that's like Sensei with a Z. Go ahead and ping in Money Penny, see where she's at, ping in some of my friends here. And I encourage you to do the same. <clears throat> so, real quick, while we're waiting on uh, Money Penny, <clears throat> I just wanted to point out the fact that you have. News stations such as Microsoft Service Network, MSN, and others admitting now, finally, that zoonautical is a thing of the past. New evidence apparently had come out uh, in Hungary proving that there have been uh, early lab-grown COVID, essentially. And so it shows that in December of 2019, before it was ever isolated or identified or whatever, in a human being, uh, that uh, they were actually growing them. And so it's no longer lab leak theory. The headline should read, Dr. Fauci uh, colludes with CCP as a traitor to release a bioweapon and on the world. You know, that, that is where we're at right now from a provable, observably true Hello, I'm good, thank you. But I'm finding it a bit hard to hear your lovely voice, Sensei. You're a bit squeaky. Okay, let me do this one second. I'm in my car, just heading home. Ah, see if you can boost yourself. Don't have a booster, but boost yourself. Okay, guys, welcome to the room. I know Zansei has been entertaining you. Um, look, I'm going to give you a warning here, health warning. This is going to be technical. It's going to be sciencey, and um, it might be quite advanced. Um, but we're going to try and put it and interpret it into the, uh, the bottom line, which is um, that I have been, as always, off on an adventure of exploration and detective work, and want to talk to you about what I believe is the component used within vaccines, which is what people may be mistaking for parasites and may be mistaking for putting little chips into our bodies and may be mistaking for that's the thing that's going to collect all our data and information. So there is something called a dendrima or a dendrimer. And this is the topic today that I want to show you the evidence that I've found of the use of this dendrimer, which we're going to explain what it is, what it does, why it is possibly in these vaccines, because it has been used very recently by our same vaccine manufacturers, manufacturers in other experiments, and some unbelievable stuff in the world of nanotechnology that these dendrimers 
could be doing to our bodies. Now, whilst the audience here may well not be vaccinated, we also know that there are some people here who may have been with vaccinated people and, as we highly suspect, may have had a shedding type incident. Now, there were a lot of mays there and possibles and probabilities, um, but obviously I'm covering my backside. Um, now, we are just for the moment going to keep people off the main stage um, simply because we're going to start with some really technical stuff and uh, we'd like some technical people up here. We've invited a few, um, but we don't really want to have a huge amount of people um, just because it's going to take concentration and focus from ourselves uh, to even manage to do this <laughs> at this stage. Um, so with that, um, what I'm going to say is we are going to place a lot of links at the top because these are links that you might want to go off and read at a later date. But I've got some explosive stuff, guys. This is the new use of vaccine delivery systems with papers from the Lancet, Nature, some of the papers from the European regulators, the ones that were not meant to get out about the mRNA technology and some of the risks that have been found from using it um, in human vaccines, which as we know is a big leap in science anyway. And the Dendrima, which is this um, very, very clever, um, multi-structured uh, molecular uh, being, let's put it for now, um, because we're going to go into it. Um, think of it as your Amazon courier. Think of it as this incredibly clever way of delivering things into the body, obviously at a nano level. So we're talking if this dendrima was the size of the tip of your pen or your pencil, Okay, so it's the tip of your pen or your pencil. You'd still have to go down with 100,000 times smaller to actually be able to see these things. I mean, nano is tiny, tiny, tiny. Hence why it is a fascinating new branch. Well, not new, but it's a fascinating branch of technology. Um, and it is also something incredibly discreet that can be used to deliver medications and vaccines um, with very little, if any, knowledge to the recipient. Um, and you can load bioactive uh, medication and other cellular um, components into these dendromas, like little courier packages that are bringing your Amazon package to your door. This thing in your body can be sent into the body carrying some very, very nasty stuff. Or indeed, and this is one of the ways it's been used formally, is in cancer trials where formally uh, these uh, special types of cells, these dendromas, have been used to carry good stuff into the body in uh, human experiments that have been conducted over you know, the last decade for a long time to put cells or to put special uh, medications or particles into the body to look at helping to ease cancer, to cure cancer, to stop the replication of cancer cells. Right, Zensei, should we give you a sound test? How's this for you, Money Pennies? It's better. Wow, much better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I do. I did find something very interesting on Dendrimers, if you wouldn't mind. I want. I would like to. Read yeah, go for too. it. Go for it, because I'm just finding some files. And please, could I ask people to ping some people in? They will not know what they're missing. Please, Jay, Linda, Alex, Stefan, blah, 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 Katie, Regina, Regina, Robin, Rosie, <laughs> ping yeah. people in. Yes, as Money Penny alluded to so eloquently, honestly, Dendrimers have been used in drug administration. Uh, and I'll just read this here. One interesting approach for the development of drug delivery, Dendrimers, was a report on the use of PAMAM, Dendrimer, Generation 3.0 and 3.0 Laurel study to the effect of the transport of propranol to the adenocarcinoma cell line CACO2. This phenomenon involves the endocytosis mediated transepithelial transport to increase drug solubility and bypass drug efflux transporters, improving the drug bioavailability. So the dendromeres have also been used as drug carriers of ketoprofen and camptothecin. The corresponding studies in vitro and in vivo, and uh, just a quick layman explanation, uh, in vitro would be like in a lab setting, uh, and in vivo would be like, you know, kind of more of a live test, a mammal, mammalian <clears throat> study showed that the dendromere molecules were capable of increasing the solubility of the drug in water and eliminating the negative effect of gastrointestinal tract. Now, that's important. And so the PEMAM dendromere ketoprofen complex, a favorable effect was also found in terms of anti-inflammatory. Zensei, anti are you having a giggle here? Come on, you've gone into advanced mode. We haven't even told them what a dendroma is. Yeah. Oh, well, he's off on one. And Michael, thank you well. for bringing some sense <laughs> to the room. Oh, oh God, Zensei, well, that was brilliant because I understood some of it. But I think we ought to start with what is a dendroma, to be fair. <laughs> sure, Michael, um, take it away. Uh, well, I've, I want you to do this. I've sent you um, those slides taken from a PowerPoint, which is written in, in good English, that starts off with yes, what is a dendromer. Sure. So dendromeres are... Could you start from there? Sure. Yeah. Dendromeres are nano-sized, radially symmetric molecules with well-defined homogeneous and monodispersed structures consisting of tree-like arms and branches. Okay, the structure of a dendromere molecule begins with a central atom or group of atoms labeled as the core. From this central structure, the branches of other atoms called dendrons grow through a variety of chemical reactions. So if you can imagine a tree kind of branching out or this fractal pattern on my PTR, very similar. Okay, that's what I had for the first slide. <clears throat> so money penny with that basic uh, was that basic explanation enough there yeah carry on with the other slides sorry i've just posted it at the top now so people could sure. follow you so get, carry on with the slides again because i'm just getting some stuff together but you can see anybody that would like to follow it this is um a youtube presentation that we're just taking the wording from the first three or four slides to give you the background. So basically, we're going to tell you what is this deadly nano-sized courier-type clever cell that we believe could easily be within the vaccines and particularly 
because there are two other constituents we know are proven to be in the vaccines, which work with dendromas and are specific to helping dendromas do their stuff. One is PEG, which is polyethylene glycate, and the other one is a um, ether-based alcohol that is used. So the more and more that we're getting this evidence, the more and more it lines up that dendromas are what people are mistakenly calling parasites and other bits of things that they think are in it. We think it might be dendromas. Zensei, brilliant. Carry on. Absolutely. Cascade reaction. So it begins to show diversion and convergence synthesis. Cascade reactions are the foundation of dendromer synthesis. Dendromers can be synthesized by two major approaches. In the divergent approach, used in early periods, the synthesis starts from the core of the dendromere, to which the arms are attached by adding building blocks in an exhaustive and stepwise manner. In the convergent approach, the synthesis starts from the exterior, beginning with the molecular structure that ultimately becomes the outermost arm of the final dendromere. In this strategy, the final generation number is predetermined, necessitating the synthesis of the branches of a variety of requisite sizes beforehand for each generation. And so the next slide goes on, why do we care? Okay, so this, this is for you guys. The dendritic branching leads to semi-globular and globular configurations with a large number of terminal functional groups that define their reactivity and interaction with the molecular environment. Right, let's stop there. That's good. Mm -hmm. I just want to welcome Michael and Jackie and Rainbow onto the stage. Michael, thanks for joining. Hi, Jackie. And, oh, okay, we've got a few other people joining. I'm going to pull up from the audience in a bit. I've just put the hands off because this is technical and I don't want people to go, what are they talking about? So we are talking about a dendrima as something that we believe may have been wrongly thought of by a lot of people who said, I know there might be something in the vaccine that looks like this little parasite with little legs. Well, a dendrima does look a bit like a parasite with little legs. As uh, Zensei said, it's almost like a tree structure and it has all these little baby tree legs sort of coming off it. And it is a tiny, tiny thing that is completely and highly soluble, could easily be put in uh, most fluids. And as you can tell, because it's nano, it is a clever little bugger. That's what we say in England, booger. Clever little booger. Is that right, Jackie? <laughs> and it can carry other stuff. It can be like a little courier that brings stuff into the body. But also it has this really clever traceability. So dendromas in the human body provide tracing facilities they provide courier facilities, they provide storage facilities. So all the things that we have been concerned about that vaccines might be capable of could be done by one thing, which is the dendroma, hence why we need to find out. And I've collated some real strong evidence behind it, 
And I've brought in a few people, particularly Zensei, because he's great on the tech stuff. So let's return to Zensei now. If you can go back, Zensei, to what you were saying before, which is your thoughts and some sort of strategy as why we should know what these dendromas are and why we should be concerned. Well, certainly. Uh, the central core, on the other hand, could be a single atom or molecule with multiple branching peripheral groups from which the hyperbranching building blocks are sequentially connected. I think the biggest thing here, just as a side note, is that this could be snuck in a vaccine, nano-sized, right? Looks like this hydro vulgaris, let's say. And it could uh, be as detrimental as we had thought, given that this is a time release uh, drug administration capability. Who's to say uh, that drug, which, you know, just like anything else in science, could be used for good, could be used for bad. So who's to say that drug time release uh, couldn't have maleffects on the body? And certainly we're seeing maleffects happen in the media instead of saying, well, could this be a side effect from the vaccine? Damn, we did say there are heart issues potential. We have an extra million heart issues than normal. And so why are we attributing that to long COVID? You know, it seems like a smokescreen to me. That's why these rooms are so important. And I want to thank Money Penny, Michael, Jackie, you know, everybody in this room right now. Just get these shares going because we're not going to treat you like you're dumb. You're not. You're far from it. We're going to share the highest level of information with you. We're going to make it readily available. And uh, I think that's just such a big part of this because no one's pedestrian in this. So go ahead. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read a little bit more of this. Money Penny, did you want to say anything before I move on? Yeah, just choose, obviously, the things that are more relevant to vaccines, because the next paper I'd like to look at is recent trends in vaccine delivery systems. But I'm choosing stuff that was written in like 2011, 2015, 2017. There was so much science stuff done looking at dendromas in the years that ran up to the pandemic, including references to the dendroma experiments being done in the labs of our current vaccine manufacturers. And the more and more I got through them, I started to see mention of Pfizer and Moderna and all these mentions of our current people behind our current vaccines in these dendroma clever, naughty experiments. And that's why we really need to have a look at this. Can I just check, Michael? Um, do you know what dendromas are? Do you know much about this? Not a thing. This is new to me. I've heard the okay. name, the term, but I don't know anything about it. Well, that's cool because you will be an excellent person being uh, very intelligent and representative of our audience to say, hang on, guys, you're going over the top here. Can you put that in context? So can you just give us a shout, Michael, and probably Jackie and Rainbow, um, just to say, let's take a step back. It's getting a bit, you know, because I want this to be palatable. Let's take a step Back, guys, it's being a little too over the top. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Well said, Michael. No, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the description was good. Delivery system, I, you know, kind of compartmentalize uh, certain segments. I think that's probably the best. All right, sounds good. Well, I think this would put everybody's palate here. Uh, let me read on. Perhaps the most promising potential of dendromeres, the technology we're discussing, is in their possibility 
to perform controlled and specific drug delivery. Unique pathophysiological traits of tumors, such as extensive angiogenesis, result in hypervascularization, the increased permeability of tumor vasculature, limited lymphatic drainage. So this leads to phenomena known as enhanced permeation and retention, which is characterized by passive targeting and selective accumulation of macromolecules in tumor tissues. So just to pause right, right there. Right, it translate that, can you then say? Yeah, put it in English. So essentially, they're able to control the dendromeres to the degree that you can do specific drug delivery. You see, so uh, now they're, they're, they're claiming that this is anti-tumoral, you know, uh, anti-cancer, and that's great. But again, anything and technology that uh, does that might have some great properties could be also used against you. I mean, drug delivery, a drug could be anything. The delivery is important. And the fact that it's controlled delivery should be a cause for concern because that means there, I mean, it gives a lot of control for, let's say, a delayed reaction from the dendromere. Let's say you take the vaccine and a year later, uh, the effects because you have so many individuals in these rooms that'll go no way i took the vaccine look they're giving homeless people extra vaccines did they did they die on the spot no and they're not realizing that there are actually time released control delivery nanoparticulates that could be put in here and I yeah think and not just time released they can also be activated get this guys by different frequencies of light and sound. So let's say you've got some of these dendromas in your body. You don't have any knowledge and you wouldn't have any effect. There'd be nothing for you to suspect it. And then you come across a low wavelength ultra uh, infrared light. And this infrared light in a normal situation, a restaurant, a disco, whatever it is, can trigger those dendromas to wake up and rapidly deliver a drug into your system, any drug. Also, a sound wave can trigger those dendroma cells to deliver something rapidly into your body. Now, already, I hope you're grasping the severity of this. Right. And if you were with us last week, and Money Penny does such a great job breaking this down, I think you'd be uniquely positioned to understand that the NIH article that we posted showing the NIH's concern that 5G, and what did we just say, could activate these dendromeres? Sorry about that. Certain, I just got a call. Certain wavelength technology could activate this and cause mouth effects. Now, what did we go over last week? The NIH just admitted 5G is having a negative impact on the coronavirus patients, people that get COVID. They admitted this. And so in retrospect, the people who were making a big hubbub about 5G being released have been vindicated. I mean, what, what just came out today? You have Microsoft Service Network and other mainstream news outlets finally admitting and we'll get back to the topic, but I just have to point this out, that there was actually 
COVID early lab COVID studies and actually creating COVID early lab studies on COVID uh, pre-December of 2019, and they found proof uh, of this being synthesized artificially in a lab. And so look into that. It just came out breaking news in the past 24 hours, proving it's not a lab leak theory. The titles and headlines should now read, Dr. Fauci, a traitor, turned down by DARPA because it's too dangerous, turned down by Obama, turned down by Trump, seeks out the president for life dictator Xi to release a bioweapon on the world. That's what just happened. That's what we just found out. There's no zoological evidence. It's supposed to be seven to 11 months. Could the Dendromans be why he was so frantically trying to get these shots into arms? This time released Hegelian dialectic problem, reaction, solution. Who benefits from this? The problem was the vaccine, excuse me, the virus that he released, the reaction, we were all in fear. The solution was his heavily invested in vaccines that could cause even more problems that he'll be the hero of. He's been the most person, you know, praised person in the media. He's been all over the media. Anyway, I digress. So some food for thought there. Cool. Right. Um, I'm going to do a quick reset. <clears throat> okay. We've got over 100 people in the room, which is brilliant. Um, but there'll be a lot of people that have only just joined. Um, so this is important. I'm going to do a bit of a reset. First of all, thank you to come. Thank you for coming to the preservation of the human race. The fastest growing club on Clubhouse with over 50,000 fabulous followers. Um, we've got leaders on the stage. We've got Zensei Michael. And we've got the lovely Jackie who helps us out with a load of stuff. Uh, Jude is here. Um, rainbow has popped up. We always like a rainbow. It makes us happier. Um, we will engage with more people. But at the moment, we're on serious science stuff. So we just want to reduce any uh, distraction, let's say, until we've got the first bit out of the way. We're talking about today um, dendromers. You can see them in the title at the top. So if you are interested already, you want to join the preservation of the human race, because this club is the club that brings breaking news, evidence-based technology. We are number one on Clubhouse for science, for a lot of the sci-fi stuff that different people, different leaders in our group lead on uh, amazing programs, looking at everything from alien technology to the most comprehensive overview of, you know, the part of the COVID cellular process that nobody else wants to listen to. But they do. They come in. So dendromers, a type of macro cell because they're sort of, you know, cells within cells. Uh, tiny little, so part of a nanotechnology. There are many different types of dendromers. They are used in medicine in a experimental capacity, particularly to look at helping people with cancer. And over the last decade, a lot of experimentation has been done in using dendromers to carry drugs, carry medications, store things in the body, um, and also trigger things happening in the body. They are incredibly powerful little cells. They do have the appearance of little parasitic type creatures once they are sort of activated and doing their stuff, um, which may mean they could be confused with the vulgar 
vulgar, um, the little tiny parasites, Hydra vulgaris and others that some people have suspicions may be in the vaccines. Now, we don't know the answer to that. We can't definitely tell you, but we can definitely evidence through access to information we have got that there are living genetically modified organisms in the vaccines. We have that in writing. We also have in writing polyethylene glycol, PEG. We also have in writing all the different um, ether type uh, alcohol-based substances and many other chemical substances that were not formally known to be in the vaccines. And when we realized that some of those constituents work alongside dendromas, and in fact are chosen to work alongside dendromas, it made sense to look at how clever this technology was and to put the pieces of the jigsaw together. So today we've got on stage, particularly Zensai, who knows a lot about this, and other people who are just brilliant at helping that thought-provoking journey and making things come together or helping us debunk stuff. So I've said enough for now. Dendromas, are they dangerous? Are they in the vaccines? Are they in your body, whether through vaccination or spreading? Let me just start now quickly with vaccine delivery systems, okay? This is a paper written in a, a much easier to understand English that started the thought process. And this is actually written from the Department of Pharmaceutics um, uh, in India. Um, it actually has a lot of people contributing it to it from other countries. But this is a 2011 document which has a DOI number from the International Journal of Pharmaceutical Investigation in April 2011. Zensei, if you could post it at the top, it's one of those links that I had sent you. If you could put the link at the top so people can look at it. Sure. Any questions before I go into it? Which link was it, Money Penny, so they could follow? Yep. Yeah, so it is from the journal. It's called Recent Trends in Vaccine Delivery Systems. So I think that's probably Got the name it. of the link. The okay. International Journal of Pharmaceutical Investigation. Got it. Jackie, Rainbow, Jude, and Michael, would you like to say anything or maybe just say hi before I go? Well, hi, first of all. Thanks so much for having me here. And... I am listening intently because this stuff, um, like I said when I shared the room, is absolutely fascinating. So thank you for um, enlightening us all. It's a, really a great topic. So this is Jackie handing back the baton. You're very welcome. Thank you. Rainbow, I saw you flashing. Oh, hello there, Penny. It's just so great to be here. No, I just dropped into the room. I am fascinated by this. I'm having followed um followed the the kind of journey in terms of nanotechnology uh throughout this uh the last two years um the sensei is dropping some absolute uh you know amazing kind of truth bombs here so i'm just listening intently um as i as i've mentioned before my cousin is dr andrew hill and I've, i'm going to be seeing him uh soon and so the more information i have on this kind of thing i mean obviously i want to talk to him about ivermectin as well but um I know there was a German, the German uh, chap who had had posted a video um, about these this kind of nanotechnology, and then he mysteriously died. It, 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 is that relevant here? Is that the same stuff that he? I've was heard about that. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get into the connection yet because well, it'll take us off dendromas. I don't but want it to take. Is I don't want to take you off dendromas. I'm really fascinated. So thank you, and I'll just carry on listening. 
What a familiar voice. You're looking a little bit older than I last saw you, though, Rainbow. <laughs> Just keep putting the moisturiser on. Um, <laughs> Jude. Hi, Jude. Hey, Jude. Are you there? Oh, maybe not. Maybe off doing something far more important, like saving the world, no doubt. Right. So let's get on to vaccine delivery systems and see what we are talking about here. So this paper, which I'm hoping Zensai will put at the top of the room shortly, um, talks about just using vaccines and using sort of clever cells, nanotechnology within vaccines. So... It starts off basically saying vaccines are preparations given to patients to evoke immune responses, leading to the production of antibodies or cell-mediated responses, normally to combat infectious agents or non-infectious conditions such as malignancies, which is why, you know, as I said, but they looked into uh, cancer experimentation. Attempts are being made to deliver vaccines through carriers as they control the spatial and temporal presentation of antigens, the bad stuff, to the immune system, thus leading to their sustained release and targeting. So carriers, attempts, this is in 2011, attempts are being made to deliver vaccines through carriers because of their control ability and their ability to have sustained release, which is very targeted. Hence, lower doses of weak immunogens can be effectively directed to stimulate the immune response and eliminate the need for the administration of prime and booster doses in normal conventional vaccination regimens. So this paper reviews carrier systems. Carrier systems can be liposomes, they're fat-based cells, microspheres, they're just micro-sized spherical cells, nanoparticles, nano being tiny, tiny, small particles, dendrimers, micellar systems, and M-I-C-E-L-L-A-R, that's the stuff that you use to take your makeup off your face, I-S-C-O-Ms, plant-derived viruses, which are now being investigated and developed as vaccine delivery systems. So in that long list, we had dendromas. And this paper looks at the carrier systems of dendromas alongside other clever cells. So that is where we got to at that time. But let me just put this perspective. If anybody has ever had edibles, you can also get edible vaccines. You can get edibles with anything in them. You can have vaccines delivered using micro needles, like a patch. So when you think of your anti-smoking patch or maybe your HRT patch, that is tiny, tiny micro needles delivering something into your body through the skin, transdermally, trans through dermal the skin, micro particulates. So all of our children that hate needles can have vaccines delivered in different ways. So there are many positives to using clever couriers and clever carriers. But sadly, there are also very scary downsides, very scary downsides indeed. So 
The vaccine is a material that induces immunologically mediated resistance to a disease, but not necessarily an infection. Vaccines are composed of killed or attenuated organisms or subunits of organisms or, and here it comes, DNA encoding antigenic proteins of pathogens. Now this, written in 2011, was talking all about DNA-based vaccines. But now we take away the DNA and we put in its scary little four-year-old brother, the tantrum-throwing, dangerous, volatile RNA. RNA is to DNA what, I don't know, crazy horse is to sleepy Biden. I mean, we are talking RNA has so much more risk added to it. So when this paper was written, it talked about the risks of using dendromas with vaccines that had DNA being used as the important part of the vaccine delivery. And now we've got RNA, you know, multiply everything by 500. It also talks about what we call adjuvants, which we know are in vaccines. Now, adjuvants potentiate the immunostimulatory property of the antigen whilst being non-immunogenic, non-toxic and biodegradable. So whilst somebody would look at our ingredients and say, oh, that's biodegradable, it's going to disappear. Well, not when it has got other types of things to stimulate around it. So we've got polyethyl glycate, glycolate, PEG, PEG, in the vaccines, 100%. We know that. We've got adjuvants in the vaccines, 100%. We know that. If we had dendromas triggered by both those things, enhanced, given more little legs to go running off and deliver stuff, more power, more zip, more Red Bull in its veins, that is what we believe could be causing a hell of a lot of our adverse effects, but also could be causing nothing because they haven't been triggered yet. Scary stuff. What do you reckon, Zensei? I think we see a lot that gives us pause cause for concern. Just to synthesize some truths to what you're saying, you had universities in California that were looking into putting quote-unquote vaccines in food, modifying the food, vegetables, particularly this was the discussion, spinach, <clears throat> to have vaccines. And now when you begin to research this, you can see some of the legwork and how that's possible. And when you synthesize the fact that Bill Gates is now the largest owner of farmland, in the United States. And he is intimately involved with the CCP to the degree where he has the People's Republic of China interning as far as their military um, in exchange for an advisory position to the president for life, dictator Xi, that basically released this on, uh, on the world, resulting in millions of deaths. They wanna talk about millions of deaths. And this is true. COVID has claimed millions of deaths, but who does the onus fall on when the zoonautical theory is out the door? And then why are they using the Hegelian dialectic for this shots in arms solution? And so when you look into that, I want to I want to point out to an article. It's titled here, Nature Communications, an amphiphilic dendromere as a light activatable immunological, excuse me, I can't talk right now, immunological 
adjuvant for in situ cancer vaccination. So essentially, this is the proof to what Money Penny was talking about earlier. Just simply, photonic structures could somehow activate these dendrimers. And so, what does that mean? And certainly, there's a lot of confusion. I don't know if you've seen this in your own localities, but uh, I have certain purple lights taking over. Now, this has been written off in the mainstream media as some sort of a malfunction of certain light poles, but they do admit that these are smart LED bulbs, but this is purple light. Does that have anything to do with anything? When you think about it, you're like, why would they do this? Until you start reading this, it clicked for me. Light activated adjuvants and uh, dendrimers could be, could this be the trigger? one of the triggers to release this. So let's read on. Immunological adjuvants are essential for successful cancer vaccination. And so this is explaining how the dendrimers could be activated by light and used for good. Of course it could. It could also be used for bad. However, traditional adjuvants have some limitations such as lack of controllability and induction of systemic toxicity. So they're juxtaposing traditional adjuvants, which are put in vaccines to cause immune response, uh, to, you know, more out of control, there could be toxicity. So now they're admitting there's toxicity in vaccines. That's patently ironic. And they're juxtaposing that to this highly controllable adjuvant, right? Which is the dendromere and restricts their broad application. So here they're presenting light activatable immunological adjuvants, they call it LIA, which is composed of a hypoxia-responsive amphiphilic dendromere nanoparticle loaded with chlorine E6 under irradiation. Right, just two seconds, brilliant. Mm -hmm. Remember that word. He was talking about being triggered um, in an environment with low oxygen. What do we also know about one of the biggest side effects of both getting the illness, we'll call it that, and getting a jab. People are suffering from very low oxygen. So carry on, Sensei, carry on. Astutely pointed out. Well done. I just pinned the link at the top for those who just want to follow along with this particular article. I know we're jumping around a bit, so this will make it easier for you. Under irradiation with near-infrared light, the LIA, light activa activatable immunological adjuvant, that's the LIA, not only induces tumor cell lysis in the tumor antigen release, but also promotes the structural transformation of the two nitroimidazole containing detrimere to the two immunoimidazole containing detrimere which can activate the dendritic cells via the toll-like receptor seven-mediated signaling pathway. So the LIA efficiently inhibits both primary and abscapal tumor growth and induces strong antigen-specific immune memory to affect, prevent tumor metastasizing and recurrence in vivo. So in vivo means in live mammal testing as opposed to in or vitro. Or it can do the reverse. Now the word lytic, L-Y-T-I-C, mm -hmm. lytic is about cell replication. 
Now, in the same way, this one that Zensei is reading talks about how it could go in to target the cancer cells and stop them replicating. It can also be targeted by a sound wave, by a light wave, by other different things, by a change in heat, by a change in temperature, um, lots and lots of things. And then instead of going in to stop cells replicating, it can make cells lytic. Lytic is the equivalent replication in cellular terms. Lytic cellular organisms, that are that is cancer cells. Any cell that is replicating itself over and over again is using a lytic procedure. Okay, Sensei. So again, just, just as a reminder, a quick, quick stop. This is preservation of the human race. You're not going to hear information like this anywhere else, right? We don't turn this into a Maury show uh, where we're kicking people off stage and we're fighting with one another and we hardly get to the facts. And we're not sitting here talking about nebulous theories of, you know, darker white papers that we're not presenting. No, this is coming directly from the NIH. We're breaking this down in a way uh, that uh, is extremely lay and everybody can understand. And I think that's extremely valuable. So share the room, share the room and tap the greenhouse. Michael, I saw you. Hey, Sensei. Yeah, I think you're doing you're doing a fabulous job of breaking it down. And so part of. What we're in right now, and I know we've been able to hear. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear Michael Zensei. If you could just close your mic, we can hear Michael loud and clear for the first time, actually. Perfect, Michael. I'm parked. Um, So we've been in doctors' rooms. We've had people say, "Source this." Is it in the vaccine? Is it not? Basically, in several cases, if you go back beyond that, you have to see where the technology came from to make it not only plausible but provable that the technology exists to now, do I this. I can't hear Michael. Can everybody hear him? For yeah, me, I can hear him loud and clear. MP, he's cutting in yeah. and out for me. There was a break, but he's back now. Okay. Really? I'm sorry, guys. So anyway, I just wanted to delineate that. We, we can't say for sure it's in this because they have proprietary uh, information in that. It's it's probably hidden under PEG, wouldn't you say, Money Penny? Or Very under likely. the uh, hydrogel, yeah. what's in the hydrogel? Hydrogel so we, would be something that could easily disguise because you could put millions of cells. And this is a cell, yeah. after all. Um, it's a synthetic cell, macrocellular, but it it's, could be in hydrogel quite easily. You don't even have to and, hide it. It's so tiny, they wouldn't even know. And we won't know for about another five or six months what's in that hydrogel. So at this point, we can't say, ha-ha, it's in the vaccine. So don't come in here and say, where is it in the vaccine? I've, I've done a ton of research on it. it. If it's going to be anywhere, it's going to be in the hydrogel is, is my take on it. And I think Not most again, people Michael. would back me. In. What's that? What's going on? I can hear Michael fine. And you nobody know, else can. It's so <laughs> weird. For some reason, I don't know if the audience is experiencing this too. Maybe it's a clubhouse thing and it's not you, Michael, but I'm hearing most of what you're saying at least. So anyway, I will, I'll yield the mic, but I just kind of wanted to, to set that kind of tone there. And again, like Sensei said, we're, we're presenting information that you're not going to see anywhere, anywhere, anywhere and be able to break it down. And, and try to understand and have a basis of a, of a foundation. So with that, thanks, guys. All right. 
I hope people can hear now. Um, Dendrima, I'll come back to you. Let's just check if anybody else on the stage wants to come in at the moment. I can see Krista and Dr. Angela have joined us. Dr. Angela, what do you know about Dendrimas? Is she there? Well, Krista, I saw you flashing. Go for it. She's oh, on the phone, Dr. I, I, I don't know anything about dendromis. I don't want to assume anything of that sort. I um, I find this fascinating, and um, I'm afraid I might have come in a teeny bit late, but what I'm feeling as you're breaking this down in layman's terms is that there is a way for them through sound waves, light waves, or temperature changes to turn on or turn off what's going on in people's bodies. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, and it's already used to be like a courier, like a little Amazon courier in your body who is quiet and silent and hiding in the corner. But when he is triggered by bing from a light or a certain sound or a certain uh, wave, a, a 5G or whatever it might be, he wakes up, puts on his little hat, gets on his moped and delivers whatever is his package, whether it be a vaccine and it's trying to do good, whether it be a type of chemical that is going to change the RNA and gene technology that has already started and make that gene technology do something different, whether it is deciding to go and play with cancer cells or precancerous cells and give them a little booster, um, it can do what it likes. It's just got a package to deliver. It's a storage capability. And it is also potentially there to uh, do emergency work, let's say, from its programmer. Think of it as a little spy hiding, looks like a little pizza delivery boy, and bang, we can choose to bring it up and it does its spy work. And there's millions and millions within the size of the tip of your pen. Okay, just and, in and many, dissolvable. Many. This would be set up in someone's system if they, in fact, took the MNR vaccine. Would this be in their system if they had COVID? Um, the answer to that is I couldn't conclusively say yes or no. I know from papers 100% it can be used in vaccine technology. Um, I know 100% that it has been experimented with in cancer um, preventative technology but I do not know 100% and that's why we are at the stage of bringing you evidence to help us move it forward um, whether or not it is definitely in any vaccine here we know it's been used in vaccines before and we know that Pfizer, Moderna and others named in some of these experimental scientific papers have used that technology in previous years running up to the pandemic so they are obviously aware of it and excited by it. Whether or not they've taken the step to take it a step forward and use us as experimental people, we don't know. You know, it's really hey. a brilliant question, uh, Krista, because guess what? There is an article that we're going to be sharing that shows they're already thinking about using it to treat COVID. So we have 100% proof positive that their intentions are to use detrimers to treat COVID, and these articles will delineate that. Um, but uh, whether they've done it or not, they wanted us to wait 75 years. And as Michael astutely pointed out, I think a judge gave them like eight months, and or so we're, I think, two months past now, we're six months away. Michael, I know you're going to share something. What you got for us? I, I was just going to try to give an example in computer science with, with packet delivery of information. I'm sure you're familiar with that in the packets until they're 
told to do something, they just sit there unless they're pre-programmed, right? So the packets that are transmitted through the internet or through the computer or through your network. I lost you, Michael. I'm not sure if anyone else did. We've still got him. Carry on, Michael. So if it's pre-programmed, then it's going to do something. And then if it's not pre-programmed, um, something is done with it when it's told to do something with it, just like information packets that we send everything through the internet on. Correct, Sensei? Yep, that's correct. Sorry, I gave Zensei that paper. So um, let me just tell you, I pulled that paper specifically because we look at things. Um, one of the other papers I found, obviously, was the one that talks about COVID we're going to come on to. But the um, Dendroma has different formulations that are already used in nasal sprays, ophthalmic stuff like eye drops, and transdermal stuff like patches that you use, nicotine patches, um, HRT patches. So there has been a use of these dendromas in a very simplistic way, but we have now the evidence, which is linked to the vaccine manufacturers and linked to vaccines and linked specifically to COVID. That is what I stumbled upon and phoned as well, got hold of Zenso. I went, Zenso, you've got to see this to believe it. And obviously with his brain, we looked at it and we think we've got it another step further to making it not just possible, but likely. We'd be remiss not to point out that without the grace and astute genius capability and research efficacy of MP, the great money penny, yeah. Uh, any of these facts today. So, wah, wah, wah. Uh, for those, you know, give her a follow if you're not already following her. Follow the club because she rocks with us almost every day. And uh, she is indispensable in this information war. And we are making a difference here. So I just want to personally thank you, MP. You are the best. Oh, I'm all embarrassed now. Oh. It's awesome. All right. So do you want me to continue with the article, MP, or you have something? Yeah, get, well, you can pick out some salient points because now you've got onto the stage. We've So we've done the what are they? We've done the yes, they can be used for different medical reasons, and they are particularly being used already in vaccine technology, both in vitro in the lab and in vivo in real life. There's been testing on um, animals, the murine testing on mice. So mice have had more complex dendromas used on them. And much as I'm personally, I'm sure most people are against animal testing, some of the results of the testing is wow. So Zensei, if you take it to the next stage and you could pick up the reference to the COVID section, um, I will pull out, what I want to pull out now is the um, stem cell therapy um, uh, analogy. And this is the fact that these little legs on these little tree things, these dendromas grow back if they're damaged. Yeah, just like little worms. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do, can you have you got the COVID thing near to you? you so right I'm gonna, I'm, yes, I'm going to move on to the COVID thing. But one last thing about this article, I got pinned at the top, and then I'm going to switch the pin. So if you want to go in on the I want to just quickly say the last part of this article. It says, furthermore, LIA, so that's light induced adjuvant. Remember, this is photonically induced. 
some sort of a light, and we're seeing some strange lights written off in the media as a defect of the bulb. This purple eerie light that you have to drive under, very interesting indeed. These are now happening, coinciding with the 5G that even the NIH is concerned with, which could be the radio frequency wave that could activate the dendromere as well, which they've already admitted it's made COVID worse by their estimation. This is as official as you get. This LIA can localize. Think about what that means. It can localize the immunological, I can't ever say this word, the immunological adjuvant effect at the tumor site. So now they're using the photonic scalar wave to actually localize this effect, this adjuvant effect at the tumor site. So they're demonstrating this is light activatable immunological adjuvant and they're claiming it offers a safe, potent platform for vaccination, in this case, against cancer. So I thought that was really, really interesting how controllable it is and how... Yeah, I've got to go on from that because you just triggered something that I remember. We're talking about the use of phototechnology, so photothermal agents, um, which would be something that is using uh, maybe color and light. So we have ultraviolet, we have infrared. So we have photothermal technology that we all see around us. But we also have all these strange things appearing on our streetlights, which may or may not be connected. But let's look at the power of the photothermal. No sound. You wouldn't see it coming. You literally wouldn't see it unless you're wearing a white shirt glowing in a disco, perhaps. But by using light photothermal technology to give this dendroma the right, get started, go, await, get on with what you're there for, deliver the package you're there for, just think how much control there is there. Now, in front of me, just taking that the step further, I have a paper which is entitled, A Facile Strategy to Prepare Dendroma-Stabilized Gold Nanorods for Efficient Photothermal Cancer Therapy. Oh, let's not go into all those big words, but this is a strategy that is attributed in this paper to people like Pfizer, and I'm going to find the exact reference, who are currently, or have been, because this is 2016, originally this was done, started to look at how they could use colored light effectively with this dendroma to try and do stuff that would be tracked. And that is where I go to the big leap. I have got photographs in front of me on this paper where luciferase, which we know is concrete, written in the European regulator list of ingredients against the vaccines, the luciferase combines with the dendroma. Because how does the dendroma find where it's going to drop its payload? How does it know to go and find maybe the thyroid gland or go off and find the appendix? It hasn't carried a little map in with it, so it tracks it. And the dendroma is the top of the class when it comes to tracking and tracing. But with the help of luciferase, I have got photographs in front of me of glowing animals. But they don't glow normally. They only glow when they are triggered by the right frequency 
of the photothermal technology. So if you put an infrared light, let's say on an animal for now, but equally on a human, an infrared light at the right level of low frequency, you would be able, well, not you particularly would be able, but it would be possible to see a little pathway so that the dendroma can follow and get to the target, which is lit up by the combination of this luciferase nanotechnology and other little dendromas that have been sent in there with the job to make the little pathway, to show the map, to get the signs up, ready for the one with the payload to come running through and drop the payload. Unbelievable, but uh, scarily so possible that in this paper that I've got, where it uses things like um, glycidol, sodium borohydride, um, things that can be bought. I mean, this is the first test that I've got is done in Shanghai, in China, and it is done using dendromas obtained from a company listed called Dendritech Inc. That's D-E-N-D, Dendritech, E-C-H on the end, Inc. So Dendritech Inc., based in China, you can go and buy these little dendromas from because they have been doing the highest level of cell culture research and they have been working with Clark Bioscience in Houston to do it. Mm, clever that, isn't it? I didn't see the Houston reference before. So basically, we have trials that have been done by Chinese and potentially American scientists, oh, J Japanese as well, I've just seen mentioned. Okay, global scientists have been working on cell cultural use of dendromas, non-small cell lung cancer, mouse embryonic fibroblast cells, lots of different cytotoxicity analysis, in vitro photothermal efficacy, and ablation of tumors, blasting away tumor cells, and all of these presented as good news experiments. The trouble is they don't always get used for good. And the risk, because all of those were used in a DNA capacity, that they're now being used in an RNA capacity, that is what is particularly concerning to Zensai myself and hopefully other people listening to this. Right, Zensai, let's have the COVID kick and then we're gonna get some people on stage to talk. So I'm still looking for that, but I do have something extremely interesting to present in regards to this subject. You were talking about types of ways to activate this, and clearly uh, there are a lot more than we thought. <clears throat> so I'll go ahead and read this just briefly. These tree-like hyperbranched structures are also compatible with various stimuli applied externally. So this is the, the point where we're talking about it being activated, right, externally the control release of the drug. So this is ways that they can release this, right? The dendrometers, such as temperature. That's a big one. pH. Okay, I had to stop. This is what made me want to share this. The pH level of your body, right? So we're mostly water, about 80% circa. And the pH balance, Codex Alimentarius came out as far as the food supply from the United States government in about 2010. So uh, this, by the way, has been looked into since 1997, according to the NIH article I'll post shortly at the top. So they've been profiling this, they've been thinking about this for a long time. And so 
using the foods, when I heard David Wilcock mention the foods, especially in America, are literally weapon systems. I said, man, damn, I mean, I know they're unhealthy, I know, but weapon systems, it's a little bit of a stretch. And now I'm seeing here the acidic nature of our food could be used to activate these detrimers. So that is these detrimers. So that is extremely shocking to me. Photons, we just went over that magnetic fields. And so for those who don't know, that's very similar to radio frequency technology and x-rays, right? And so you maybe you go to the doctor, you get an x-ray, right? And then this happens, right? So I thought that was extremely uh, interesting. Uh, I'm just read a little bit of this. Uh, the size I've of the data. Did you, thing, so. you have something to say? Uh, no, I've got the COVID thing when you finished. Um, oh, you've got it. I'd like to go back to Dr. Angela as well, because I don't think she was around when we last uh, invited her to talk. And I'm going to open the hands after Zensei is finished. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So this is where we have a paper, one of several, but the most poignant paper that I found, where we talk about SARS-CoV-2 being used with a modified RNA with peptide dendromer formulation. So we've established what these dendromers are. They can be little couriers with whatever payload. They can be activated by light and sound. They can be there to try and do good things. They get a little walkway created with some luciferase. There could be billions and billions in one tiny dendromer the size of a hundred times smaller than the top of your pen or your pencil. And they have been used by Pfizer and by um, Moderna in dendroma experiments in the last few years. And these papers we're reading are pre-pandemic papers. But the paper I currently have is not. This paper was released in September 2021. And I'm sure Zensei can upload it. It's called Silencing of SARS-CoV-2 with Modified CRNA Peptide Dendroma Formulation. It is published in PubMed and other places, the National Library of Medicine. It has a DOI number for those that like those sorts of things. It is a free article and it talks about using specialist RNAs which we know are in the vaccine, RNA-dependent, RNA polymerase used as an efficient RNA-inhibiting viral replication. And that was done in vitro. So that was done in the lab. And this is talking about using the dendroma with RNA targeting viral replication. And the results say, moreover, we showed that LNA modification and complexation with the designed peptide dendroma enhanced the antiviral capacity in vitro. We demonstrated significant reduction of the virus teta, that's the, the power, the strength of the virus, and lung inflammation in animals exposed to inhalation, inhalation of this RNA-based things. Now, we've heard of uh, nasal-delivered vaccines, 
But this is looking, and obviously it's tested with animals, at using an RNA-based vaccine equivalent delivered as a nasal spray or nasal concoction, and then using the dendroma with it as the programmed little courier to help uh, create uh, the viral replication required. And this is actually in a Syrian hamster model. Those are the little hamsters that had the masks on in my picture yesterday. Um, to demonstrate how they believe this dendroma can enhance antiviral capacity, can enhance. Now, it's not been used in humans, to our knowledge, and this was written last year. But isn't it kind of funny how this paper has come out talking about using dendromas with the RNA, with the peptides, with the luciferase in a hamster-based test that looks at changing the antiviral abilities <laughs> as a medication. And it is done by, let's have a look who is written by this. So, well, there's about 100 scientists listed on here, affiliations, but it is mainly led by, oh my gosh, who? The Institute of Immunology, Moscow, Russia. <laughs> Right, I'm going to open the hands up now. We'll get some people on stage and we will give you access to more of these papers. I think we've had enough tech, tech, tech wow. at the moment. Let's have a look and a think it, about ramifications and questions. Chris, let's bring up just something that came up. And Dr. Angela, just let me get it. brings up, I don't know if I've done a lot of research on Rife, which is, uh, I don't know if anyone's familiar with the Rife machine, but it's a machine that sends out light and sound frequencies and um, it can establish a square wave which is a killer wave, which can go in and literally eradicate and kill cells, but it can also do what's called a sin wave, which is like a wave that can heal, bring back. And it rarely will touch any cell that isn't already damaged. And, and it's an interesting technology. But what this brings up for me is a, an interesting technology that's just come into play this year called the Spooky 2 um, Rife Machine, which I don't know if anyone's familiar with it. But basically, um, you know, it acts on the individual who's working with it. But someone can literally send you their, I, I believe it's toenails and fingernails and possibly hair remnants. And I haven't used this myself, but it can register the DNA that you have in your nails, in your hair, and then you can remotely heal them. You can send them waves through that DNA and understanding. If someone knows more about this, I would love to hear more because I'm finding that quite fascinating because it makes me believe that a lot of this can happen remotely from a distance. Wow, that's astute, Krista. I just love your takes on on things, and I'm just so glad you're here with us, rocking with us, because that was really astutely pointed out. And yeah, there's satellite-based uh, technologies that can do that. Um, you know, obviously they even have a crowd control radio waves that I'm sure they can use that for. Um, but it, that is that's an awesome take. I want to quickly just I see some people raising their hands to get up on stage, but I want to quickly just kind of reset that because I want to take a poll. That's fine. You yeah, guys, bring uh, people up. You go ahead, Sensei. Thank you. So, thank you. I'm just going to clear it and then open it back up. Raise your hand if you have heard of this before. If you thought, better yet, if you thought this was possible, 
to do this remotely, to turn something on in a vaccine. Raise your hand if you knew about this technology before today or you thought this was possible before today. All right, we got some hands up. We got four. Wow. I've counted still, nine so far. I'm still counting. Oh, now it's 15. Okay. Oh, yeah. So there's 141 people here in the room at the moment, although we've had 500 come through. Wow. Yeah, look at these numbers. Yeah, and I'm seeing 15. Wow, awesome, awesome. 16. Okay, so clearly that means there's over 120 people that learn something big time and at least 16 people who can confirm what they previously hypothesized. And so this, again, in juxtaposition to other rooms, we bring the receipts. We are not dismissive. If you come up and you have an opposing view, we absolutely welcome it. And yeah, thank you guys. You can put your hands down unless you want to come up on stage. I'll go ahead and clear that. But awesome, awesome. Did anybody that come up? I saw Autumn welcome to the stage. Tania, Linda, David, Emperor. Anybody have any questions for us? Oh, Robert, let's bring him up. Yeah, Robert's coming up. Yeah, I had a chat with him yesterday. I'm glad he's still alive because his head was bamboozled. He was like, whoa! <laughs> I love you guys. Thanks for letting me up. Of course, brother. Love, love, love. Anybody have any questions? Rainbow, I see you coming up. Just quick, just quickly. Um, thanks so much, and so thank you, Money Penny. Amazing room, and Krista, great, great input. <clears throat> um, I saw a thing with Chris, Dr. Christiana Northrop. It was one of, it was like a health symposium, and they were talking she was saying anecdotally that someone had gone through customs at, at uh, one of the new york airports um who was unvaccinated but had a had a like a, a fake covid pass or what have you and got pulled up because they had they had some sort of um thing that they had run over which uh a, a cool anecdotally but they said actually they they ran this this machine over her arm and they said, no, we know you, we know you haven't. They pulled her, pulled her aside and they said, no, we, we can actually test. We know you haven't taken the vaccine. Um, and it's, and I, I was wondering whether it was this technology that was actually, you know, had something to do with it or whether this is just, maybe that's just anecdotal, but could this technology be used in a, in a capacity um, for some sort of scanning so that you would know whether or not you had taken the vaccine? Thank you. Yes is the answer. Oh, yes. And this is coming to traceability. It is one yes, of the uh, components you, of the dendrona. Traceability. Can I speak to that question? I just had to take a call. I'm sorry, Rainbow. Uh, I think that's a brilliant question, brother. You know why? Because someone had mentioned, when I saw these purple lights, we spoke about the photonic capabilities of activating this dendromere technology. I said, Someone told me, you know what? It's to check and see if you got vaccinated. And I thought, what? <laughs> what are they going to say to text something put in the vaccine? And again, I was one of you in the audience who hypothesized that that was potential. But uh, now, clearly, it seems to be scientifically coming together. So that's a brilliant, brilliant posit, uh, Rainbow, because clearly, if the dendromeres were activated or not, that would be a surefire sign, nonetheless, uh, whether you got vaccinated or not, or maybe you didn't get vaccinated, but yet the shedding uh, situation had, had happened, unfortunately, that can happen. That would certainly uh, take a lot longer for the, the replication of that to take effect. And I mean, there's an amazing article 
that I want to post where it's, it shows that it's self-replicating. They liken it to, they say Lego uh, in this NIH article. It's super, yeah, super that's awesome great. Stuff. I saw that. that. Yeah. It's yeah. self-replicating. So if you got a huge dose with a vaccine, you'd be further along in that accelerated process. But perhaps if the shedding occurred, maybe even though it can regrow as money Penny uh, pointed out, maybe you could stop it completely, right? There's sure anything's possible if you don't have a large enough load. So I want to open up the room to any other questions. I see a lot of people trying to get on. Give me a second, guys. I'll go ahead. Yeah, I've got a question on the back channel. And thank you to Jackie for passing this over. Anybody who's listening, um, if you don't really want to come up on the stage, and I don't blame you because we're probably a load of smelly people. I'm the only one without smell that can't smell us. Um, <laughs> but do pass a message on the back channel to one of the moderators, um, and they can funnel it through to us so that we can read out your question. Now, that question that was about um, traceability, let me just read you um, a very short part of an abstract from the Journal of Materials Chemistry entitled New Insights into the Blue Intrinsic Fluorescence of Oxidized PAMAM Dendromers. Okay, so like other bio nanomaterials, dendromers are usually labeled with fluorescent compounds in order to be optically detected within cells. This process, however, can interfere with their biological properties. So it's crucial to find solutions for traceability. But the blue intrinsic fluorescence of amine-terminated polyamidomine, which is the PAMAM, Thing that we've heard, we talked about PAMAM as a type of dendromers. Those are dendromers that have got this fluorescent stuff. Those were enhanced using treatment um, that is oxidative, giving it oxygen with a very simple ammonium product. And the effects of this dendromer generation on the spectroscopic, this is sounding big words, but let's think about it, spectroscopic, being able to be seen. It's like Spectre, the uh, Bond movie. The behavior of both the pristine and the PAMAM dendromers could be studied in any aqueous solution, any water, any saline, any vaccine. So overall, what we're saying is that these dendromers are teed up with this fluorescence, most likely this blue intrinsic fluorescence, and then they are used to significantly enhance the whole process that is being programmed to do. In the same way the RNA is programmed with its own little messenger, the dendromer goes in with its own programming and you follow what's going on with it by using this enhanced fluorescence. Wow. MP, I just gotta say folks, this is why she's like my best friend on Clubhouse. You know, she is literally on fire today. We're at 32 shares. Go ahead and share the room. Let's get it up to 40 because this is important. We're not talking about some nebulous DARPA program that might or might not do this or that. We're talking about confirmed, provable documents from the NIH and on the heels of damning information coming out in regards to early lab-produced COVID for the current head of the NIH AID, when the NIH already threw him under the rug, saying he did do gain of function, didn't he? And so go ahead and share the room, guys. Follow the club. Uh, this is an awesome conversation with the great money penny. Myself, we got Jackie, 
Dr. Angela Roberts rocking with us, Jude. We got Krista, Annette, so many more regulars. David, I see you coming off mic. Were you clapping it, or uh, did you want to ask a question? I was going to say something. Call, call me up whenever I can have Go ahead, brother. What do you have to share? Um, I got some sunglasses. They only block 20% of the light, but they also block UVA, B, C, infrared, and they're also blue blockers. And I can tell that light, all right, you know when you look at a light and it kind of has like a blurry star effect? That effect is there's a certain frequency. It is in the blue spectrum, but it is not visible light. Your pigment in your eye is supposed to block it, but it doesn't. It passes through it, and it bounces around several times before hitting your retina, which creates that blur. That's that same frequency coming from those bulbs, but it is way jacked up. That strangely enough, somehow they also use that same frequency in HD TVs, but instead of making it blurry, this add quality. I was just wanting to mention that that it's in the blue spectrum, the non-visible part of it, but your eyes perceive it as blue. But for it That's being true. purple, for it being and I've got purple, the wavelengths because I don't know and don't understand so much, but somebody in the audience does. They wanted to know the actual wavelengths. The wavelength of light that is generally used by these dendromas is in uh, wavelengths of 400 to 700 nm, near infrared range 700 to 1350 nm. Um, and I'm just quoting that from a scientific document that I found, so um, I hope that's realistic. But isn't that interesting with those sunglasses, the UVA and UVB? I'm going to go and read up on that. Thank you for that, David. My, yeah. my, gla my glasses make those lights look completely normal. So it's either something along UVA, B, C, infrared, or the blue spectrum. They're, my glasses are primary blue blockers. And that light is actually damaging on your eyes. Yes, David, awesome plug for the blue light blockers. Don't you find that when you put those on, because I have a pair of my own, that it almost like your eyes are relieved, aren't they? Do you feel, do you find that, David? Yeah. Yeah, it's just like all of a sudden, uh, this, this calming sense comes over your eyes. And I love an astute question about the visible light spectrum because it reminds us of the multidimensionality that exists that just beyond our perceptions. And so that's important to keep in mind as we expand during this discussion. I see a lot of people coming up on stage, uh, some of my favorites. Did anybody have anything to add to that? Um, other than we should go PTR with this many people so that we can make sure we include everybody. Um, maybe just check in with the mods, Dr. Angela and Jude as well before we go. Let's do it. Hey, this is Dr. Angela. I had a phone call come in earlier. I apologize. I will say, Money Penny, I was blown away when you sent me the links and asked me if I uh, knew much about dendromers. Nope, I didn't know anything. And <laughs> when I first came in the room, honest to God, guys, it's no wonder people that we're first talking to think that we're conspiracy theorists because all of this sounds un, <laughs> just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it really does, but yet they're doing it to us without our knowledge or our permission. And this is not okay. It makes me want to pull my hair out and throw things. So 
Yep, I am here to learn at the feet of the masters here. Zensei, Money Penny, doing your research, and I am learning with you. Thank you. Oh, Thanks, Angela. I hope you didn't fall off or throw anything too <laughs> too precious. <laughs> Robert, let's check in. Oh, I didn't want to skip Jackie or Jude. Uh, did you guys want to uh, say anything? Sure. Thanks, Sensei. Uh, it's Jude speaking. I just pretty much want to throw in there again, you know, more evidence of just the cover up. You know, it's just like nothing new here. You know, we, we've been realizing it since day one. And uh, I, you know, it's just egregious. So with that, I'm going to pass it on. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Sensei, this is Jackie. Um, I'm just wondering. So when it says that this is in the vaccine, is it in all the shots? Is it um, primarily? It doesn't say dendromas are in the vaccine. Um, it does say that all the component accelerants, adjuvants, things uh, that we would expect, particularly like uh, the polyethylene glycol, the PEG. So the vaccine ingredients that we are aware of through the papers that the European regulator um, accidentally made more public than it should have done. We have confirmation on other ingredients which are used in vaccine technology to support the use of dendromas. Does that make sense? Yeah. Correct. So, so in layman's terms, the nanolipid the nanolipid particles that we do know are in the vaccines, amongst other potential hydrogel carriers, we have confirmed today, absolutely could have dendromeres in it, right? And so to go a step further, we also have confirmed that the government has been thinking of treating this COVID problem with dendromeres. That's a more recent article Money Penny just read, and we just pinned. It's actually at the top right now. Also, <clears throat> we know that Pfizer wanted 75 years. <laughs> These companies wanted 75 years before they released what was potentially in this in full detail. And so a judge ordered them, I believe it was to eight months. So Jackie, I think we're going to get an answer to your question shortly. We'll find out whether Dengemeers were in this or not. And uh, I think that's a very brilliant question that you bring up. I'm going to go ahead and give you a follow there. That was awesome. And uh, let's move on to Robert. Let's hear it. Hey, thanks, Sensei. Uh, Money Penny, y'all are great. So yeah, I got that uh, article and I read it last night. Money Penny, such thick information. I did share the room, and I will go ahead and uh, piggyback on what Dr. Angela said. I'm at the foot of some of the most intelligent, wonderful research hers on Clubhouse, and I love you. So I'm here to help you keep your stage in order. If you guys want to back channel any any questions for me to ask the beautiful, intelligent people up here, just let me know. And I'm in the background. Love y'all. Thank you so much. Love you, Robert. Thank you. Oh, we love Robert. He's like the uh, biggest bouncer with the biggest heart, and he is the perfect moderator uh, for this room. I know we got uh, Rainbow. Rainbow's chimed in so brilliantly earlier. Did you have anything else to add, sir? Um, I just wanted to, not really, but just I think that um, what's so brilliant about this room is just how we're kind of, it's like an onion that we're just slowly unraveling and picking picking away at the, at the many layers that's getting into the core of really what's going on here but done so calmly and with back the science that's backed it up this is why i love preservation of the human race or the last two years i've learned so much and i think you know even for you know conspiracy theorists inverted commas like myself who 
you know, go all the way to the end, i.e. the New World Order and where we where where they want us to go in terms of a social credit score. This is actually a key, key part, because if this technology is confirmed, if that information is released from Pfizer and we actually get that, this is absolutely is, is, is a massive piece of the puzzle in terms of bringing about, you know, this this uh, a potential social credit score and, you, and, and a great reset and a digital currency and all of that stuff. So, um, I'm fascinated and I just want to say thank you for having this space and delivering it so well. Thank you. Oh, brother, that was brilliantly put. Thank you, man. We really appreciate you being here with us. Krista, did you have anything to add to that? Yeah, one, just appreciating both of you for putting this together. Um, I, as he finds it fascinating, I find it slightly terrifying. <laughs> um, but that's just because we don't understand all the elements and how this might work and who might be behind it and utilizing it. And um, God willing, it's for something good to eradicate cancer and eradicate things that aren't working for us. So let's pray it gets in the right hands and it's utilized in a way that supports our health and our well being. And I'm going to stay here very curious to hear more and to learn more. And thank you, guys. Oh, well, we love you, Krista. Hi. Um, I wanted to piggy. I actually got on stage because of something Krista had said earlier. And uh, this is Tanya here. Um, and I think you, I mean, I hope I didn't catch it in like half sentence, but um when I think about like moving to, you know, forward with some of this technology, we were born with m most of the tech, I mean, if not all the technology we need, we just don't know how to activate it in many regards. Um, and I think when I walked into the room, it was, we were talking about healing through frequency. And one of the things that early on in 2020, I think right at the beginning of the pandemic, I, prior to this, my therapist, my uh, craniosacral therapist had, you know, I've been working with her and she's fascinating by just, if anybody's familiar with craniosacral therapy, it's, it's super powerful. And at the same time, very difficult to explain because it looks like nothing is happening. It's not like a deep massage or acupuncture or even Reiki. Um, it's basically like a light touch where your body itself starts to kind of repair itself on its own by these signals that these messages that are being sent but the messages aren't coming from the therapist they're almost kind of like code for telling your own body how to repair itself it's almost like oh yeah this isn't in the right place let me let me go work on that right and um so Tanya, but once one little yeah thing. i was just gonna, let me just finish this one thing chris i know <laughs> i know you know what i'm talking about <laughs> But uh, so so when the pandemic started, she was like, I want to start trying. And this just, I think she just did not because of the pandemic, but because she was just like, hey, I'm just way too busy and I want to start trying to do these um, these healings over just the phone. We, you know, we just, we just have a conversation or I forgot what it was that she needed from me. I don't know if some, something of my essence, like I can't remember if it was just my voice or, or something. And then she said, you know, just lay there at the same time that I'm remotely doing my work so that we're kind of doing it in real time, but we're just not communicating, you know, on the phone or on zoom or anything. And it was really powerful. And I couldn't believe that it, I mean, it wasn't the same, I can't say, because I, I know what her touch feels like, but 
it was fascinating. And I, and it was my first, you know, she was like, I'm just going to use you as a guinea pig. Cause you know, you, my body for whatever reason, she said is one of the, 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 the few clients that she's worked with where I immediately respond to the therapy and start healing myself. For example, I had, uh, what is it called when you grind your teeth? You have, uh, uh yeah. And so she had been working there and within like, um, I think maybe two sessions, I stopped grinding my teeth. Um, and it was just because she said, you know, usually it takes a lot more sessions, but it looks like you tend to, I don't know, it's almost like my, your, your body was waiting for somebody to respond or to tell us some, something I, I, I can't really explain it. Maybe Krista can definitely jump in. But I just wanted to say that we already have this stuff. So I, I just I just wanted to say that, you know, it, it is important to value what we've already discovered and what we explore in the healing arts. Yeah. So that's what I want yes, to say. Yes, I, I will explain I would a little to... bit of what she said. What's that about grinding teeth? Um, it, it, I, I was referring to TMJ, but I don't know if that's exactly what she was referring to. But I just want to go a step further. So um, the cranial sacral works with the synovial fluid in the spine, and we all have a pulse. And when our pulse and our synovial fluid is really, really low, we're going to be lethargic and we can go into depression. When that synovial fluid is going through the spine at a really high level, we're going to feel frantic and kind of... Um, more like ADD kind of ramped up. And so it's beautiful, the subtle touch, because what we're trying to do is bring the frequency of the pulse through the synovial fluid to a pace that keeps us kind of in balance so that we're we're really relaxed. And to go to the second thing that Tanya was saying, I, I, I do um, remote healing. I play proxy for individuals. So it's similar to, I think, what your healer did with you, Tanya. I energetically can become someone um, by permission only. So this is not something you can do without permission. Yes, it is by permission, Krista, for sure. That was one of the things that was and part of the whole thing. Yes. And as long as the person gives me permission, then I'm able to energetically somewhat become them. I am not feeling everything. I just have an intuitive sense through the chakra system and through what's coming up for them via questions that I ask based on what they want. So I use NLP to figure out what they want. And then we look at why they're not having that experience, why their energetic body isn't allowing for that to happen. And I get highlights in my body and magnetically, we can move this stuff out. Magnets are huge. I don't know if anyone's ever worked with magnets, but they're really powerful. And um, it's why people are magnetic. There's a reason for that word in its power. And magnetics can pull out energetically energetic frequency so i pull them out of my body which actually pull them out of my client's body which is mind-blowing so tanya's right this is already happening but it can only only happen based on permission based on knowledge you cannot go do this on another human being without their permission so in that regard yeah it almost doesn't work right krista i mean i, I almost feel like it doesn't activate unless there's some kind of it yeah. won't. It mm -hmm. won't. And it, it needs to be in the right hands and the right people. And God willing, I think I've never heard of anyone using this to for the wrongful means. I've only heard and and know a few others that are just beautiful spirits working with this energy. I don't think it gets into the wrong hands. I pray it doesn't. I, I don't know that it would work anyhow, honestly. I don't think you could do it. So Right, I that makes sense like because of the frequency that. that you allow them to kind of go in. I don't know how that works, but I do know that if we're talking about 
connecting, you know, virtually basically, um, the, you would have to be riding on that same wave. I actually would like to speak on that um, regarding the acupuncture and craniosacral. Um, I, I'm a doctor of acupuncture and Chinese medicine, and I practice Qigong extensively. So a lot of the things that she was talking about is definitely uh, de definitely a thing. It's, it's more or less like a biological form of quantum entanglement. Um, if you're able to uh, tap into another person's uh, bioenergetic field, in, in acupuncture, uh, you know, we call it qi. Um, other people call it prana or, you know, vital life force. Uh, you have these meridians or these pathways that actually are made up from the uh, extracellular matrix that have a pulse that goes uh, through the circadian rhythm. Uh, specific times uh, of the day correlate with specific organs. So when a person has an imbalance, you can actually augment uh, that based off of... <clears throat> based off of how strong your field is. Um, on a, you know, in, in America, a lot of people, they utilize uh, distance healing and connecting with other, other individuals. But um, much, much like the, the way many uh, government weapons have energy-based techniques, there are people out there that can definitely use uh, their, their field for a defensive or offensive uh, means. So it's, it's not, I mean, intent is very important. But at the end of the day, um, whoever has the strongest field wins. Um, I, I really believe that training and building up the person's individual field through um, understanding how to tap into the geomagnetic currents of the earth, how to tap into, uh, you know, the, the magnetic field of, of, of the sky. That helps to initiate a lot of healing and regeneration on different specific uh, frequencies in the body. Uh, tissue heals at a certain frequency, skin heals at a certain frequency. All these different things uh, can be enhanced via qigong, meditation, yoga, depending on whatever system you utilize. As long as you understand how to do it and you're proficient at it, you're going to get the same results. Um, a lot of people have different terms for the same words. Um, it just depends on whatever system you use, but the energy is all the same. Uh, it's all the same radio station. It's just how you get there. Um, and it's very, very, very important that people understand that uh, you can strengthen your field to the point where, you know, these, these electronic things, it, it can greatly be dampened. Um, there's ways you can do amazing things. I'm not going to get into it. I'm going to land my plane soon. But uh, you're way stronger than you've been told. Uh, the cells in your body are not just bags of jelly. They're, you know, resonance chambers on, on a microcosmic, uh, microcosmic uh, uh, level, or uh, excuse me, a microscopic level. Um, so it's, it's very important that, you know, paying attention to what you eat, paying attention to how you sleep, uh, that you are getting sleep, that, that you're not getting too emotionally, uh, I guess, revved up either, either one way, getting depressed or getting too manic. All of these things will have a certain effect on your chi. Uh, when you understand more on that, you can harness it and hone it to do um, anything from age regression to healing faster to increasing mental capacity, uh, denser bones. It's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, I like my plan.
I have a Thanks quick question. That. Thank you. Yes, uh, if it's related yeah. to, I want to get back to the subject matter, um, really. If it's related to that. Oh, Annette, yeah. go for it. Yeah, hi, money, Penny. Yeah, just in regards to curing the body of different things, I've often wondered about teeth. You know, can teeth be repaired? Yeah, that's what dendromas are used for. It's actually one of the biggest dental applications of dendromas because of their ability in the same sort of way as we talk about stem cell technology, the, the power of the dendroma to actually um, replicate and to um, grow back stuff. It's been used in an amazing paper I was reading. <laughs> this is how nerdy I am. That when you get tooth decay that starts damaging the enamel and the dentine of the tooth, the ability to grow the cells of the dentine and the enamel back to regrow the teeth. Isn't it fascinating? Fascinating. That's what it can do. I love it. And I just wanted to point out real quick, <clears throat> there's some awesome shares here today. And of course, the body, the body does have an electromagnetic field, right? And so that field, it's, it's so funny how in science, we basically recreate uh, everything with our technology, and it reflects, it's almost analogous to the biotechnology. Of course, we know they're mapping the brain, for example, to create AI. And so don't forget, uh, you're biological supercomputer that we call a body as Krista and, uh, you know, others have pointed out, you know, I know Tania had weighed in on that. And, and of course it was an awesome share from uh, Dr. Tetti. I hope I'm not butchering that name, but uh, I completely agree. You know, there's an electromagnetic field in our body and that's how we're even coming up with a lot of the technology we have, but it's funny. <clears throat> because it sounds at first very airy-fairy and a lot of dismissive cognitive dissonant affected people could say oh conspiracy theory and of course there's nothing conspiratorial about electromagnetic field of the body but again whatever they don't understand rather than looking at the government white papers like we do uh whatever might scare them like the the you know the topic of today these deadly couriers that could be in the vaccine they dismiss outright and I just want to say, you know, other rooms are just now realizing, right, that this thing came out of a lab because finally the mainstream media have admitted that there was early cell lab growth COVID discovered early December of 2019 at the Wuhan lab, right around the time this, this thing came out. So, oops, zoonautical theories, Dr. Fauci's narrative, all of that has collapsed. This is, to me, a pinnacle moment of victory. And so we can get a handle on this. And the more we win the information war, the more doctors can look into helping people affected by this technology. That's why I'm hopeful. The more the narrative falls apart, the more you get us to 50 shares. I don't know where we're at right now. We need to get this to 50 shares. So if you can share the room, because this is an information war. If you can follow the club and show why we're the biggest club on Clubhouse, the fastest growing, the hottest club on Clubhouse, follow the mods, follow Everybody speaking here today is sharing their hearts, trying to do something so they can look back on this precious lifetime and say, wow, I wasn't just painting my nails. I stood up when the bullies came in, granddaughter or grandson, I stood up. And Take that's our victory lap. Let's do it. And, and so many amazing things are <laughs> happening because we're raising the vibration. I truly believe we're calling in higher forces as they do their rituals to call in lower ones. We're doing that today. So I thank you for being here with us. This is next year's news today. And they're way behind. 
Yes, indeed. Uh, Dr. Tete, could you just keep your mic closed for the moment? Actually, there's a few mics open. Just so yeah. that uh, for the comfort of other people that are talking um, on stage, uh, if oh, we could yeah. just keep the mics closed to, to make sure there's not too much background noise. Um, I'll hand back to Zensei, who's operate, operating a sort of uh, PTR at the moment, um, because it's quite busy and we like it busy. Um, we've got some fantastic people up here. I can see a lot of people I know. Um, thank you for sharing. Uh, this is Money Penny. Um, I'm exposing uh, my most recent research on dendromas that I gave in advance to Zensei and a couple of other people to look at and say, am I as mad as I might be? Or have we yet found another piece of unbelievably close connection to what might be going on? Hi, this is Linda. Um, I'm not sure if I'm next or not, Sensei. You are. You are. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Linda. This is so amazing, you guys. Um, I cannot express how appreciative I am for you constantly uh, keeping us on top of this. This is amazing. And so now you've got me going down a, another rabbit hole, of course, and uh, in looking at some of the papers that have come out since as early as what I can find right now, 2000 on all of this. But um, yeah, and, and actually in one of these, I've looked at it actually inhibits uh, the replication of HIV uh, virus. Um, I don't oh, know. Yes. Linda, you're a star. <laughs> Beautifully done. Wow, right? So that that was pretty interesting. And that, by the way, um, I'm looking at that paper right here, pretty amazing, was in 2000, November 2000. Um, so, wow, that's somewhat of a, a weird connection, right? Um, but Wait, you know, it's not a weird I'm, connection if we follow the theory that they were possibly researching for an HIV vaccine when they tripped up with our current uh, virus. That's true. That is so true. And, and it definitely gives me chills to see where all of these scientists and all of these uh, high technology, um, you know, solutions are, are kind of all kind of intertwined with each other. Um, I had a, a question because um, I know we kind of have not determined whether or not um, this is something that's actually uh, in the vaccine yet, although we, you know, we're finding a lot of evidence that points to that. Um, but um, and we don't know about the virus itself, and and of course with the bioweapon and all of that, we don't know whether or not these these may be also a part of that. Therefore, you know, with the shedding and all. But so when when we're talking about this, I mean, are we talking about replacement or overriding? Uh, maybe what our like natural messengers are already doing. And the reason I'm asking that is a couple of reasons. One, it would seem that if they know the direction forward, they might know the direction in reverse. Meaning that if, if it was something in the vaccine, it could be likely that it could be deprogrammed or they would know the technology already, although they would never probably release that information at this point in time, because they're not even letting us know whether or not, you know, Dendemirs are in this, but, uh, you know, it makes you think that if they've gone in one direction, they probably know the reverse just by nature of this, of science yes. and the studies. Yes, uh, Linda. I mean, yes, an amazing question. Yes, carry on. I'm getting excited, but I'm going to answer that one. Okay, good. And then finally, um, with the parasitic 
aspect of the virus. Um, it's interesting, and, and I'm wondering, you know, what would then ivermectin, for example, have on the de uh, dendermeres? Uh, I, I don't know, and I don't even know if that's a fair question. But in, anyway, carry on. Thank you so much. Wow. God, I love it when, well, Linda in particular, but, you know, Krista, other people on the stage come up with lateral thinking. And sometimes I'm scared and terrified because I think, whoa, I wouldn't have a clue how to answer. But this ability not only to not trigger the payload, i.e., think of it, Dendroma is the little boy on the scooter who's delivering your Amazon product. Your Amazon product is the payload, which could be good or bad. And the damage that becomes from the payload, we'll call it, you know, the illness or the effect, whether it be, you know, heart malfunction, whether it be a skin malfunction, whether it be a neurological thing. Let's take it then what Linda's saying is, can you take it backwards? Uh, can you reverse it? And do you know what? So many people ask, oh, dear, I've had the vaccine. Is there any way I can detox it or I can get my spike protein out or I can reverse what it's done? And I've been reading up on that and sharing with Angela particularly the use. Oh, and also our South, Af South African friend, Amanda, the use of the parasitic effectively the parasitic type strategy or technology in being able to reverse some of the damage the body is caused? The answer is yes, it is feasible. Yes, it can be done. I don't fully understand it. It's a bit above me, but it does in South Africa have a little story to tell that people in South Africa with HIV who were vaccinated and subsequently had different adverse reactions, it was found that by using ingredients within the vaccine, and I don't understand what I'm saying, but there was able to have a retrograde sort of backstep, a sort of cleansing, let's call it, that minimized the impact of the negative things if that makes any sense to you what i'm saying is yes but i don't understand it no i i love that there is a way and especially that you're looking into this money penny to reverse some of these effects but to address the latter part of your question linda and if i can answer the the prior <clears throat> you know i agree with money penny it's completely independent of necessarily taking over your cells or, or replacing your cells and, and so we kind of think of it that way because of the mainstream explanation of the vaccine but this would be something different something snuck into the nanolipid particle itself as a courier for this and then this could whether it's ph activated photonically activated uh, radio wave activated and then steered in control to a localized level uh, if, if there was something to answer the second part of your question like ivermectin that was stopping some sort of ACE2 receptor that could prevent COVID, sure. But this uh, could be used to potentially even be responsible for what we've uncovered in the Pfizer hacked documents that Money 
Penny so astutely gave us earlier, these nano slices, these micro slices in the ventricles, right, that, that Pfizer is even starting to look into now. Uh, could they use these uh, to do that? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, when, we, when we're considering the type of technology that we're dealing with, it's certainly a possibility. So I hope that answered your question, Linda. And I think to the real nature and heart of the question, we will find a way to reverse this. And there are ways we can protect ourselves. But the more we get the information out, the better equipped we are. We have doctors on the stage with us. And I don't want to skip over you, Dr. Sanchasto, at any time, even though we're going in PTR order. I know you came a little later. You wanted to chime in. I wanted to give you the respect to do that. And we're all here forming a unified front. And that was a brilliant question, Linda. Unless Money Penny has anything else to add to I that. I just got to quickly put that in perspective for every person on the stage who feels their skin is aging, who feels that they look older than they should do. Dendromas have been used in anti-aging cosmetic products to reverse cellular damage. So there you go. That's a good example of what the dendromas can do. Can I just chime in? My name's Antonia. Uh, we're in PTR, but if it's relevant to what we just said, go for it. Yeah, it is, Money Penny. It is. Um, it's really about the spike proteins, and it's actually a study um, that's been done at, um, at Oxford University, and very much speaking into how we can combat the spike proteins, and, and as you're sort of discussing now, reverse the the damage essentially that the the, the vaccines have done, because essentially it's you know lowering our immune system and it might seem simple uh but it's not so i'm an expert in phytochemistry and all, all things botany and plants um and it's working with a phytochemical called um suricin okay and that phytochemical is very rich in pine needles um, so if you try and go and find pine needles anywhere right now, you can't find them. I went into my local farmer's market. I went into my mum's market and I'm asking for pine needles at all the herbal shops. They've, they've sold out. Everybody's selling out. This is a growing trend that pine needle tea, people are drinking it and it's really helping to reverse the damage of the spike proteins within the body and help to support. I'm not saying it's going to completely, you know, eliminate, but it's supporting the body uh, as a result of having the vaccinations. But it's also working on the uh, spike proteins as well. So if you'd like me to share this report and this study done by Oxford University in the UK, which is one of the world's most reputable uh, universities, I'm more than happy to share it. But this is something that we can actively be doing um, and, and making, you know, pine tea for ourselves. Now, obviously, everything in moderation. You don't want to drink pine tea all day, every day, you know, but you know, two or three cups of pine tea every day is really going to be helping to support this spike protein elimination, which is actually what we're trying to do here. I hope that's helped. And I, I think I was on the right um, uh, uh, lines there. Uh, Antonia, I, I really want to just commend you on the nature of your share. I really do appreciate the thought behind the share and the information in and of itself. And I would just add to that the dandelion extract, dandelion tea. Have you, Antonia, as a question, seen the uh, the introduction of that more into our society? Absolutely. I see so much more. Absolutely. It's like water with dandelion. 
and, and it's, it's reputed, meaning rumored, because I'm not trying to give anybody medical advice. No. This dandelion extract could dislodge some of the spike proteins that could get lodged on organs, which could explain the nature of the myocarditis that people are experiencing. Because yeah, the, note four could that uh, since I very possible. carefully use that. Right. Antonia, this so, is Dr. So, Angela. So Could you shoot that. me that article, please? Yes, yeah, sure. It. I will Thank absolutely, one hundred percent. Antonia, yeah. Do you remember dandelion and burdock? As a kid, you used to get pop. Fizzy pop. Listen, can you remember <laughs> Alpine drinks? We used to have to put our Alpine bottles back out to get three p for the top, and then we would get the dandelion oh God, burdock yes. and all the lime soda. Can you remember those Alpine drinks? I'm not old enough, Antonia. Yes, of course I can. Well, I, I am. I am. I'm proud of it. So, but um, but yes, I'm. I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot the uh the thing. But I I trained as a medical missionary in lockdown. I felt, just felt impressed. I'm not a medical doctor, but I trained as a medical missionary. It's it's a different thing, but it's still looking at you know medical issues. One of the things, as um, Zen Sai's just said, is dandelion, uh, dandelion root, but also dandelion the 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 leaf. Um, if you trust where the soil um, is is growing with the dandelion leaf. So, for example, if it's growing in your own garden and you haven't, you know, littered it with pesticides and weed killer and all of that, you can actually take that dandelion and cut it up. You know, obviously wash it, cut it up, and have it as a salad. It's very bitter, so you want to you want to you want to really get the the smaller leaves, not the uh, the the bigger leaves. You want to get the really really small leaves one or two, three at the max per, per salad meal and cut it up. It's highly inflammatory, highly amazing for antihistamine management as well. And there are some studies I've got to show on that. And I know that um, uh, the doctor's going to actually, Dr. Angela is going to be like, Antonia, you need to shoot me that as well. <laughs> and I'm happy to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. We're all sharing. Out. Yeah, Dr. We're all Angela, sharing. We're going to get back to dendromas, sadly, because they're a bit more uh, interesting at this stage. But let's go to Dr. Angela, because I know she wanted to come in, and then maybe Dr. Santosh too. Thank you, Antonia. Welcome. I'm good. I just wanted to ask for a share. Oh, quick. <laughs> Dr. Santosh, would you like to come in yet? Thank you. I'm just enjoying the conversation. And uh, I think uh, I'm forgetting uh, what was the explanation behind uh, people getting relief from their uh, post-COVID symptom or uh, probably the side effect of the COVID once they take the booster shot. And uh, vaguely, I'm remembering that it was like uh, uh, I don't know uh, the antibodies that were created or maybe the spike protein that is, uh, uh, you know, uh, situated in the body that uh, uh, gets locked in by the oncoming booster shot and that uh, uh, creates antibodies and antibodies locks onto the spike protein or something like that. It was covered by Dr. Bean and I'm I'm sorry, but uh, I, I was trying to dig into that, but it is not coming up as a titled video. It was an, probably an explanation within the topic. So uh, th there is uh, some relief to people who were taking the booster shots and uh, saying that they feel better after taking the shot. And the explanation was that... Uh, the people may have to uh, be remain dependent on booster shots 
to relieve some of their symptoms that are prevailing after uh, you know few months of uh, taking the shots so uh, that also is one of the perspective to be kept in mind yes i remember that uh, these shots changing your innate immune system uh, to specific antibody uh, and then, of course, you'd need more and more boosters to replace um, because, again, once that variant is extinct, that's antibodies that could have been looking as an innate for anything and helping you with everything. And it's now just specifically looking for one variant and, and essentially shut off, which is, I think, the point that Antonia was making earlier when she said this could weaken your immune system. I don't know if it was Antonia or somebody else. And to throw on just one last thing, Money Penny, um, about the, you know, things that can help in the situation, the Buckman. Mr. Fuller Green, uh, the supercharged C60 activated charcoal, super antioxidant. If anybody uh, knew about that and, and just wanted to research from that, okay, awesome, awesome. All right, let's move on. Thank you, Dr. Santosh. Awesome share. And of course, getting the booster, you're risking a cytokine storm, as the core architect pointed out, Dr. Robert Malone, um, because you're already in an inflamed state. The immune response, the adjuvant in the vaccine causes more cytokine release. And then, of course, uh, that won't help when you already have an inflamed lung dealing with COVID pneumonia. Uh, that will only worsen the inflammation. All right. Let's I, can I ask, or, or Dr. Angela, or even Moneypenny, do you know what N, is there such a thing as N antibodies? Say, what was it? Yeah, it's neutralising antibodies. Right, okay. You get, the reason... get neutralising antibodies and non-neutralising antibodies, so N is just neutralising. Okay, so the reason I'm saying that, because I'm going to send you something, uh, Money Penny, because it's actually a report um, by .gov UK that's actually saying that having had two doses of the vaccine weakens the immune system. And it's talking about N antibodies. I wasn't yeah, sure what that that's was. Correct, yeah. Neutralizing so, antibodies. Also you... natural killer cells. Yep. Okay. Thanks, Dr. Angela. So shall I, can I send anyone that, that, um, can I send anybody that, uh, that, 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 that sort of study? Because it's really interesting. Sure, it's on page 23. Shall I send it to you, Zanzai? Me too. Okay. I'm going to send it to Dr. Angela. Okay. Money Penny. I've got it. Thank you. That's why I knew what the end was. <laughs> Woo! You see, you're so on your stuff, man. I wanted to say another word. Right. Zenzai, Dr. Angelo, it's on the way. You can send it to Robert too, please. Thank okay, hon. All righty. Let's keep going here. I want to make sure everybody has a voice. Call me up. David, let's hear from you. Um, I was wanting to add some context to the permission on remote healing. I'm a natural born energy healer, like hands on. I've healed broken bones within like 10 minutes, just to give you an idea. Um, I spent a lot of time in a homeless shelter, so lots of people come and go. And somebody has an ailment or something, and I tell them that I can take it away. And they have this, <laughs> yeah, right, in, in their voice. So the permission is more than just a verbal permission. Because if, they, if they're already thinking you can't do it, you don't have their permission. All right, David, thank you for the ad. Did you have anything? I see you coming off mic. Was that, was that all you wanted to share? Oh, just going through the mountains. I was making sure I didn't, wasn't choppy. 
Oh, we'll be safe. Yeah, we heard you. We got you. Money Penny, I see you coming up. Did you want to add to that? Yeah, I just want to make sure we stay connected to the topic if possible. We've all got wonderful products, services, and skills, but it's knowledge we'd like you to share that is relevant to the title. Thank you. So going in PTR order here, we got Emperor next. But before we do that, guys, we have been focusing on intensely on this topic. This has been to the extreme benefit of many in the room. We did a poll earlier. We're all learning something here. We're at 51 shares. If you can get that to 60, uh, follow the mods. This is preservation of the human race. And clearly, uh, we are all committed to that title. I want to move on to Emperor. Yeah, What's I was going to pass. Thanks so much for the room, no uh, everybody. Uh, we got, if you're not following preservation of the human race, you're doing it wrong. Um, <laughs> Seriously, there's some really boss-ass uh, people I got to follow today that I haven't met, and then there's a bunch of people that I already know. My name's Wes. I'm from Texas. You may call me Emperor. Uh, so I guess my regular question had something to do with, <clears throat> based on what Miss Moneypenny was saying earlier, is there a way to test someone and tell, hey, this guy's never had COVID. Hey, this guy has had COVID. Hey, this guy's gotten this vaccine or this one or this one or this one. Or this. <laughs> oh, my God. They're going to keep giving us boosters, y'all. Um, and then my not very fun question, uh, conspiracy theory hat, says something like, is there a chance that, like, really amazingly powerful people decided there are too many of us and they're not even experts and they paid off experts that were puppets? in order to like play us on a global level. And uh, yeah, I'll end with that. Uh, thanks for calling me. Uh, I was gonna pass, but fuck, there you go. All right, no, bye. we appreciate it. We appreciate <laughs> I think money penny like first questions. one is for you, I'll do the second one. <laughs> This yeah, is Angela. Oh, Angela can do no, that. Angela, it's okay. I'm, I'm going to let you answer it. Okay, I'm going to let Sensei answer, but I want to tell you, I actually had someone ask me earlier, as a single woman, if she's ever going to be able to have sex again or whether there's going to be a way she can tell if the person's had the vaccine because she won't believe them. <laughs> so, yes, in curing, in inquiring minds truly want to know, is there going to be a way to know? Yeah, well, it's beyond Tinder now. There's going to be a Tinder tick box for vax, unvax, yeah. not sure, um, wearing a full body condom. I mean, it's just getting ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah, so getting tested, um, Emperor. The bottom line is that uh, don't for one minute think that all the tests are reliable because largely, particularly in the past uh, year or so, that we have had lots and lots of false positive, false negative and unreliable tests. Um, but basically the tests um, to see whether you've been infected, whether you've had it, because as you rightly say, there is 60% of all children in the United States um, that were tested um, didn't know they'd had it, but they had had it, <laughs> particularly with Omicron, because obviously it's quite mild. 99.7% uh, of all adults in the United States had antibodies when tested by blood. And obviously that was a smaller sample of, sort of 30,000 that was grossed up. Um, so the majority of people have antibodies. There's two types of antibodies, short-term and long-term, the IgG and the IgMs. So if you are past a few months, um, and obviously we know the vaccines are waning far faster than they were meant to. So if you've got your antibodies from a vaccine, they could be gone within eight to nine weeks is the average, but, you know, shorter or longer, depending on you and your health. But if you've got natural antibodies, they can last, we know, up to, well, they say up to sort of 52 weeks, um, i.e. a year. But we know from previous studies and people like myself who actually are living it because I had COVID more than two years 
ago um, that I still test um, for an antibody, albeit small teeter. But the T cell test, which is the memory cell, um, which I believe in the United States is a lot easier to get than in the UK. The T cell test will look at your longer term um, position and will be able to say, well, yes, you've got these memory cells. So at some point you must have been exposed to the original SARS-CoV-2 and well, not necessarily the first version, but you know, you certainly have had it at some point in the past. Um, and I'm sure there are two doctors on the stage that can instantly correct me if I've got that wrong or if I'm misleading, which I hope I wasn't. No, I think you were 100% on point, Money Penny. And just to speak to it, the dendromeres are a patent proof uh, that it's definitely possible to determine whether you've had this or not. We were speaking about the photonic signaling that's clearly proven in the white papers to be an activating source, a potential activator, or even a frequencies from, let's say, satellites, directed energy, you name it. And so if, if they're able to detect whether you had that or not based on the response, then of course, I'm not talking about your average person who's sitting there at the CVS detecting whether you have COVID or not, but certainly with sophisticated individuals. Yes, it's certainly possible to the first part. To the second part, I felt uniquely equipped to answer. Could this be some sort of global collusion uh, as far as the doctors are concerned? That was your question. Uh, yes, and it's it's very interesting that even the New York Times reported that uh, Epstein was whining and dining uh, high level doctors. He wouldn't waste his time, you know, he, with with low level doctors, but high level doctors and scientists who could be some of the hundred doctors, hundred scientists that uh, signed a paper saying Joe Rogan needs to be canceled. When you have the most published cardiologist, uh, you know, in the nation. Uh, Dr. Peter McCullough on, you have the core architect of the mRNA vaccine itself, and Dr. Robert Malone on, and, and they're all agreeing with what we're saying and what Joe Rogan's stance was. And yet, so why are these doctors so avid and so ready uh, to be uh, at the bulk of the likes of George Soros and others and Gates? And these doctors showed up on Epstein Island. Now, why do I say that? Because if, for those who don't know, he was the blackmailer in chief, so to speak. And that's why he had an unfortunate demise in his jail cell. If you don't know, the cameras both went off at the same time as both guards fell asleep. And his mystery death uh, it was never really revealed and, of course, swept under the rug as far as who were these children being sold to when Comey's daughter uh, was prosecuting him, who bungled uh, the case and, and, and prosecuted uh, Ghislaine as well. And, of course, we still don't have any answers as to who these scientists are. So does that answer your question? Perhaps it could be black. Oh, yes, sir. I would say rather than paid off. Awesome. So let's move on. And I do just see a quick Michael. question. As I'm sorry, <laughs> we want to just go back for somebody in the part in the audience. Say, what is a dendroma? Let's just go back to basics and have a little refresh about what we are talking about. So <laughs> welcome to the preservation of the human race. We hope you are here and we hope you've already clicked on the little greenhouse at the top of the page to join the preservation of the human race, the fastest growing club on Clubhouse with some extraordinary talented people in it. Um, lots of professionals and lots of people who, like myself, may be more geeky than professionals some days, but we dig out news. We find it. We evidence it. We kick out the stuff that is not evidenced, although we're curious and we do look into it to make sure we don't miss it. And then we come and report it to you. We don't charge you. We don't expect you to pay us money. You might want to give us a tip. 
and you can't send cream cakes across to the UK, so you might have to find another method. Um, but we are here for you today to talk about something um, that has been exposed by a number of desk research-based studies that have then been upheld by crossing our tabulation and our desk research with other scientists' research, speaking to other scientists and journalists, and generally doing some bloody hard work. And we have exposed that there is something called a dendroma, which can be like a little courier that will bring a package or a little payload into the body that can be instructed or controlled by something at a higher level, whether it be the colored ultraviolet light, the infrared light, the specific frequencies of sound waves, of photo waves, or even something as simple as a rise or a drop in temperature. And these are very clever, clever, supramolecular. So it's not just one molecule, it's molecules within molecules. They are actually referred to sometimes as arborals, A-R-B-O-R-O-L-S, or cascade molecules. They are, well, they look in a nano capacity, so we're talking 100,000 times tinier than the tip of your pencil. They look sometimes like trees. So they will have little sort of tree branch type things, which sometimes can be confused for things like hydra vulgaris, the little parasitical things that have been talked about in some of the rooms. So the first dendromas, because they're obviously a synthetic type organism, the first dendromas were made in, you know, not far back, 1978. And when they were made, they had so many different clever properties of carrying stuff, storing stuff, processing stuff, um, tracking stuff. Uh, they've got all these amazing properties that there were more than 5,000 scientific papers and patents on dendromas by 2005. Um, so we are today discussing all the applications and the relevance of dendroma molecules and dendromas as something that we believe may well be a composite ingredient of these vaccines because they've been used in other very similar vaccines in test. They work alongside some of the ingredients that we do definitely know are in these vaccines. And some of the jobs that dendromas can do would explain some of these strange reactions and adverse events. That's sort of where we are, I hope. And I'll go back to Zensei. No, you're absolutely right. And the potential that they're in the vaccines, we see that they're already looking at treatments. The NIH.gov papers already said that they're looking at applying this to COVID treatments already. So the potential that in the, in the next six months this comes out, they wanted 75 years before telling us what's in the vaccine, as Michael had pointed out time and time again. Uh, Michael, if you want to jump in at any time, we'd love to hear from you as well, brother. But uh, I see you're back in the room. Yes, so they are looking to treat COVID with this. Could they have already put it in the nanolipid particles that we know are in the vaccines? And we know with the papers that we just disclosed today that are from NIH.gov are perfect carriers for these. And so we said all that to say, this is very, very important. 
to look at and you're really not going to find this in any other room so let's get these shares up to 60 we're only six away there is over 130 of us here and we can make sure this this super important information is getting out there and i want to just quickly point out money penny her delivery she's so funny you know she she cracks these jokes and then she goes into the most serious mode and i want to point out that when you laugh you're safe and this is not to scare anybody that's not why we do these rooms. And we come with a super, super cognizant spiritual foundation. And when we, when we share this, we're about truth and we want to face that. Okay. We don't participate in denialism or cognitive dissonance and deny these things and write these things off just because we don't want to read government white papers. And we're presenting this here for you. And we love that you're rocking with us and we're rocking with you. So let's move on. Michael, did you have anything to say or anybody want to chime in? Money Penny, before we move on with the PTR order. I'm, I'm good for the moment. I'm just, uh, just getting home. All right. We're glad you're getting home safe, brother. Let's move on to. Dr. Tetti, Dr. Tetti, did you have anything to add? Uh, no, nothing to Okay, not for now. Red, you're next in PTR order. I know, Karen, you back-channeled me, so we're getting to you next. Unless, uh, Red, did you want to say anything? Okay, maybe she's out to lunch. I think Red's there. Going once, going twice. Karen, go ahead. Good evening, um, good night in the UK. Um, good afternoon for the US folks and anybody else in the world. Um, I am a nurse and a practitioner, um, midwife practitioner. And um, I have a colleague, um, after having her second vaccine, she ended up in intensive care unit. And today she said to me, Karen, come and have a look at the things they're gonna start me on was a long list of um, high cost um, cancer medication, started CH. I didn't take it down because I didn't want her to feel uncomfortable. And um, she's on pregnenolone, like 40 milligrams. She's quite puffy now. She shakes as if she has Parkinson's disease. So she now has a neuropathic disorder. Um, she's on anticoagulations. She's now started on cancer treatment for, for the COVID. And um, and it's just mind-boggling. It's just really mind-boggling. So I just wanted to say, come up to say thank you so much, Money Penny, because you were one of the persons on this platform that gave me the reassurance and the confidence to when I was quite nervous about having the vaccination during with where the mandate was enforced for healthcare professionals. And I remember you saying to me distinctly, Karen, don't worry, just get on with your daily life as this has never been spoken about. And I just wanted to throw you flowers tonight to say thank you so much. <laughs> You've given oh, Karen, you're very welcome. Thank you so much. And I was so relieved. So, you know, with prayer and with supplications and with people like you just backing backing out the evidence the way you do. I just wanted to say thank you so much for hosting this room. And I just thank um, the creator of this um, room. Um, so thank you so much, guys. I just wanted to share that. And by yes, the way, yes. we so much the there is so much patience now in ITU with brain infarct post-vaccination. 
So, and these are patients who are double vaccinated with both cells with brain infarct. I'm not quite sure if that evidence is coming out in any articles you're reading. So I just wanted to tip that in. Thank you so much. Thanks, Karen. Yeah, in fact, that brain fog um, is one of the worst things that I, I still have quite strongly after two years of long COVID. Obviously, some things have got better. The brain fog, some days or some weeks, I actually think it's getting worse. So yeah, it's a very salient point. It's brain infarcts so or blood clots in the brain. Yeah, often micro clots, which can happen anywhere. It's like a little lottery of where it happens, sadly. Right, all right. Now we got Mike next. It's good to see you, brother. Good to see you on stage. Did you have anything to add? Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for having me. I was just reading the... Um, the link that was above. Um, yeah, just, uh, uh, where do I start? Um, yeah, this is new because um, I was under the impression that the hydrobagaris was what was the tentacle thing that self-replicates and grows in the body after receiving the, the, uh, the jab. So, <clears throat> so I'm just, I'm, I'm just gonna um, hold anything I have to say until I'm uh, a little bit more well informed about the topic of the um, the cell tracking uh, methods. You know, uh, I'm just going to finish reading this. So uh, thank you for having me, and uh, peace and blessings to everybody in the room. Thank you, Mike. I could appreciate and a man. That's who wants to do what his actually. Sorry, that's what actually started me on this particular piece of research. Is so many people talking about uh, the potential for something parasitic. Um, and to be honest, I also looked at symptoms and in the same way as 5G, you know, there are lots of symptoms that you could afford to parasitic stuff. And the fact that um, there are certain parasitic medications that seem to make people feel a lot better. So I was looking at all those sorts of things when I sort of came across the potential of the dendroma being more likely um, than the whatever parasite, we can say hydro vulgaris, um, to be included within the vaccine. And there were so many reasons why the dendroma to me was a much better candidate, particularly as I went on and studied the ingredients that we do 100% know are in the vaccines that supported the use of dendromas. Um, that's where I went on it. But Mike, I have no idea if there are parasites. I have no idea. I can't rule them out. I honestly do not know to be able to say that this has in any way replaced it because we just do not yet have the answers to that. Or if anybody does, I'd love to have them. <laughs> okay. But there's, there's certainly some circumstantial evidence because I don't know if you were here, Mike, or we were talking earlier, MP was mentioning, Money Penny was mentioning, that it did look like it because again dendromere etymologically speaking the, the greek root within that means tree and so that is even mentioned in the nih white papers and that did resemble the type of trees that it was talking about or, or the way that it was displaying it on the diagram was it did it was very reminiscent of this hydrovolgaris and so i said huh that gave me some pause and then when you just said self-assembling 
It also clicked with me because these are self-assembling, and we made that reference earlier, and it even it uses the phrase Lego self-assembling. A very, very interesting question and take. So we appreciate that, Michael, and certainly can respect uh, someone who's going to do the research before just dismissing it. Or, uh, you know, that is something I just seldom hear. I really value how you doing that uh, and saying that. So thank you. All right, we got Mama Bear next. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, hi. Thanks, you guys. Um, I was going to share something, but then I think I'm going to just hold off for a while. So um, I'm just listening. And, and if it comes back around that I feel it's the right time to add in what I was going to say, I'll, I'll share it. So I'm just going to, I'll still be in the room, but thank you. Of course, of course. And then we have Antonia. Hi, I'm actually just listening right now, but <clears throat> I just wanted to, I, I don't really know how to go back down to the, to the, I, I, when I pushed the button to push down, it, it brought up my photo album. So <laughs> I'm just going to stay in the room for a little while. And uh, if something comes up, I'll definitely ask some questions. No, you're taking up seats in the cafe. You might as well have a coffee or something while you're here. Or you can push me <laughs> down. No it's worries, totally fine no if you want to push me down. And I'll come back up whenever. It's no, totally no, no. fine. <clears throat> Glad to have you. And uh, Malik just joined us. I see you coming off mic there. Go ahead, Malik. Did you have anything to say? Did you want to come up and speak? Yes, sir. I just wanted to ask, had anyone taken some type of statistical data or have so it's, uh, some form of statistical data that shows that how many people normally die every year in the United States, whether it's cancer, whether it's uh, natural causes, accidents, things of that nature. Because in my community, we had elders passing away from cancer, uh, several people passed from aneurysms, things of that nature, and they had not even taken the uh, COVID shot. And, but when they went to the hospital and when they came to pick uh, these parents up from their home, they put them in these bags and they put them in the wagon, but they listed them as COVID deaths. And I was just wondering, had anybody heard of that? Did anyone have, do, do we have any form or any way of finding what, how many people die a year statistically? Yes, and Mom. how did that count actually yes. add into that, uh, the count of the COVID deaths? Thank you. Good question, Malik. I will give you some links into it, but sadly it is a much discussed topic that we all pretty much have been really frustrated with because many, many, many of the statistics that have been fed to us across the course of the pandemic in whichever country we live are not easily reliable. Um, but to look at, uh, you can look at COVID deaths, which, as you say, are just associated with because the death occurs within 28 days of the person having a positive test for it. And in some countries, that that sort of uh, uh, version of definition of a death varies. Um, that's, you know, in the UK, it might be different to somewhere in, in Europe. Um, but what I will say is that there is a website that I will send you on the back link, Malik, that is the best that I have, where you can actually look in great detail at deaths attributed to COVID and non-COVID deaths, excess deaths, which means deaths at a level that are over and above or beyond or even lower than deaths pre-pandemic. So it's interesting to look at how many people would die a day in the United States or the UK on a normal day in um, 2017. 
for example, and then you compare it to 2021. So that's the thing is to look and compare against a light for light, but it's still then it's really difficult. But I will send you a link to the resources that I use. Um, the best one of them probably is um, the rworldindata.org. So it's written as four words, all as one, our, O-U-R, world, W-R-L-D, in data.org and that is a fantastic real-time updated amazingly detailed um, receptor portal that you can use to get all that sort of data um, and then in the UK we have things like the ONS which is the Office of National Statistics varies in different countries but start with our world in data as a generic and it does lead you on to more specific sources of data in your own country I hope that helps uh, can I chime, Thank you. Can I, can I chime quick, in? Uh, real quick, oh. uh, and then oh. of course, Tania, the, the floor is yours. I just wanted to quickly give some context to answer your question, Leek. Uh, so as far as uh, just some of the facets, this multifaceted question, you have Governor Cuomo, for example, just to back up what Money Penny is saying, who has admitted, and it has unfortunately been fired subsequently for various reasons, but including the fact that he has fudged his death numbers by 50% it came out. And so just to back up the point that, yes, there's a lot of unreliable data, and this is the factual context around what you're saying, there's incentives up to $60,000 for a COVID death. And so many people, either through gunshot wounds or, you know, various things have been miscoded as a COVID death. So, you know, that, of course, inflates the numbers, skews the numbers to a degree. But what we do know, and what's interesting, is we do have overall death rates, and we do have conclude have, we, we have... <laughs> Proof through the simple fact that more people died after the vaccine rollout, juxtaposed to the year prior. And so why, if this is supposed to be such a big help, are our death rates increasing? Why have there been 60,000, I believe, at one point, more deaths? And, and that was, uh, I believe, only three-fourths way through the year. So that, I think that was the third quarter last October, and we had 60,000 more deaths. That's after a full COVID vaccine rollout what's going on here right and so it was certainly i think that would be the most reliable marker and uh, you know it's unfortunate that that any of this is occurring but you know we're, we're breaking down uh, how this could be happening um, you know the, as far as the general statistics i believe it's like two to three million if you include cancer and heart disease which are the leading causes of death as far as the united states is concerned um, but uh, i think we're now increasing the heart complications big time. And you see this with soccer players, athletes, certainly younger men in general. And remember, the male vibration is under attack. Uh, those are the individuals who who would stand up. Well, you know, I mean, everybody can stand up and fight this. If you're in this room, you're doing that. But certainly the threat as far as historically, anthropologically speaking, and that uh, is to be feminized, is to be destroyed. Uh, but I'll go ahead and land because I know uh, someone else wanted to say that. But I hope that answers your question as well, Malik. Thank, thank sadly, you. Zensei has got to leave us. Um, sorry, just hang on a sec, Tanya. I'll come back to you. Um, Zensei is hitting a hard stop to go off and do more exciting and enjoyable oh, things. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. You know, I, I honestly, you know, I spend a lot of time in these rooms with you guys. I love you. I just got to get some dinner. And, of course, I'll be back rocking with you guys either later today or tomorrow. But, uh, yep. Go ahead, MP. Yeah, and similar for me, it is now 23.29 and I haven't eaten this evening, so it's half past 11. Um, 
I can't remember actually when I last ate. I think it was breakfast, but I would like to <laughs> go and get some. Now, I was just going to close the room, but really what I'm asking is, um, are there other moderators on stage, Dr. Angela, Robert, Dr. Sancho, Jude, others, um, who could just uh, hang on to things if you want to for 40 minutes or so while I pop off, or if yeah, not, so like we're going to have to close the room. Not a problem at all. I'd like to, Bonnie Penny, it's Antonio. Okay, 30 minutes. I'm good. Brilliant. Uh, right. Dr. Angela, Antonia, Robert, Dr. Santosh, Jude, and anybody else we give green badges to. I'm going to go off and eat. You're back in charge. Daryl is here. All is saved. <laughs> Daryl! <laughs> um, Thank you. Daryl can talk dendromas. Um, just before I leave, I'm going to upload another article about dendromas to the top of the page and dr angela has copies of most of the articles that we've been commenting on um so that she can review those uh if needed so thank you so much guys i will be back but i need to eat so <laughs> see you shortly thank you <laughs> love you awesome Enjoy thank you food. guys for taking over to me i think you were gonna chime in on something before we keep going oh PTR. yes just just one uh addition um and this was just yesterday so it was kind of a fresh um uh information that i saw on twitter from <clears throat> this one uh this one uh guy named ed dowd i think he used to work at black uh black rock but anyway he's um he was just mentioning, and I think that uh, it's important to, if you want to go down that rabbit hole, that if you look up life insurance or insurers, even if you're if if you're not going to get the stats from the mainstream, you know, uh, or it's not available or it's not accurate, it has to be accurate in terms of claims, right? So people who are actually um, filing claims for their family members, or um, and and in that he he made like a a reveal that it's extremely high. They're super overwhelmed in the insurance world. So it like in in comparison to two uh, three years ago, uh, it's like multi tripled. Like it's it's just you know and the and the, and the deaths are across the board, right? From like everything from suicide to um, you know abuse on, on some level in terms of any drug abuse to el elders who were in the home too long and had Alzheimer's because one of the main things is you don't isolate pe people with Alzheimer's or people who have dementia that's the number one thing you don't do to them because that it deteriorates them much quicker so in the nursing homes a lot of um, elderly died, not necessarily from COVID, but just from being isolated. So there's a lot of upticks in other areas. And so I would just recommend if you want to go down that research, it, 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 it would be uh, good to look into insurers, medical insurers, and, and what their stats are in terms of, you know, from previous years. So that's what I was going to say. And I land my plane. All right, guys, give me a heads up. Where were we on PTR order? Oh, we had ran through the list. I think Tiff would be next in PTR. Awesome. Thank you. Tiff, did you have anything you'd like to add to conversation today? Hey, y'all. Um, I'm driving. I just popped into this room. Um, but to like follow up on what Zensi said, Zensi said, um, I just really think that a lot of people are having like 
buyer's remorse, unfortunately, when it comes to the vaccinations. Like, um, and I don't think it's because, well, let's be honest, there's going to be some people who did not get vaccinated who've been saying, like, hey, you guys, you should be worried about this. This seems very weird. Like, um, don't do it. There's going to be some people that are kind of, like, preachers from the mountaintops, like, we told you so. But I think most of us are going to be very, like, um, accepting and as helpful as we can be. Uh, but unfortunately, I do think the reason why there are a lot of people that are still going along with this is because there's buyer's remorse. Um, a lot of times when people go through traumatic situations, which um, I think to some extent this has been traumatic for Americans and for everybody around the world, but specifically in places in the U.S. that were locked down and almost like militantly observing these mandates. Um, I just feel like the, the fallout is why some people still can't shake themselves enough to see it for what it was. Um, but yeah, that's just to answer his uh, question where he was like, I don't understand why they're not concerned that more people are dying now. I think they're in denial. So thank you. Great observations, Tiff. Anne, did you have something you'd like to contribute to the room? Uh, yeah. Hi, this is Anne. Uh, I don't know if it was said. It's, it's maybe a small detail, but maybe not. Um, uh, on Tuesday, uh, um, Professor Luc uh, Montagnier uh, passed away. I don't know if you guys are aware of that. Uh, he 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 received the no way. He, he received the the Nobel Prize for his. Um, I mean, he has like really literally fifty awards. I'm not kidding, fifty awards from all over the world. But he he got the Nobel Prize for his studies on the HIV virus. He uh, he was an, an extremely strong advocator against the, the whole vac, vac, uh, so-called vaccine. He said that it's uh, criminal for any doctor to administer it. And he pointed out um, at, at the latest last year when it all started that uh, it would like the the, the um, inoculation would would lead to uh, to, you know, it would exacerbate variations forming. So whenever um, to, to make it all stop, you would have to stop uh, all the measures that has, that are taken against it. And it was quite, I mean, I read about it the, uh, last night. I mean, he was uh, 80, 89, but there was quite, um, I mean, I read about it on Twitter. There was uh, quite a confusion about it because people denied it. But it, what he did is that he trusted, in fact, he, he kind of tricked the media because uh, he trusted only one one uh, news outlet, which is, I think, uh, France Soir, which means France, French, French evening, to um, deliver this kind of news to the world. And it's quite, quite shameful because, I mean, it's been three days and um, the, the, the government of France has not acknowledged him at all, nothing. So, I mean, this is quite telling. I'm, I'm really hurt because uh, like literally like tw two weeks ago, he was still touring uh, Europe. He was speaking out in Milan in, in, um, in Italy. And also he, uh, there's an interview. I mean, he, he's, I don't, I don't know how you call it. It's a hearing, I think, uh, in, in the Luxembourg, uh, in the par parliament of the country of Luxembourg, uh, where he and another doctor clearly spoke uh, against uh, everything that's going, uh, going on. And it was just announced and I, I on Monday was, uh, that he was going to be a witness in the grand yes, jury yes. trial. Yes, with exactly. Rainer Fumicht. 
Yeah. I'm I'm really I'm I'm sad and I'm disgusted with with everything because like really I also seem it, to it, recall he was the one that predicted that there would be positive HIV tests coming after these vaccines. Exactly, exactly, and he he, he suggested people to 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 um to sue the government, but I, I mean I don't know it's it's all I'm very disgusted about everything because it's like. It's like history is repeating. It's the same with uh, with uh, with uh, uh, Dr. Carrie Mullis, who would who, who who you know who would who, whoever um, whichever person is like the personification of uh, something that is going to be um, misused. I don't know. I don't know if he was helped in dying. Um, so I just wanted to share that. Thank you. It's truly horrible news. Maybe we should take a moment of silence for him <clears throat> and all the work that he did yes. in discovering HIV and all of the um, just brilliant, brilliant mind. Yeah, maybe that's a good idea. Thank you, guys. We can't afford to lose any more of our brilliant scientific minds who are standing to question the tyranny that is occurring right now. Human being, did you have something you want to share with us today? Hi, Dr. Angela. Hi, everybody. Um, yeah, I just uh, took my husband to the uh, acupuncturist because he's double jabbed from last spring. Um, opted out of the booster, thank God. Uh, had I, I we think it was COVID a couple weeks ago, a day of a fever, body aches and stuff. Um, and now he's developed this like kind of a soreness under his left pectoral muscle that kind of when his arm is up, it kind of extends down and you can almost see like a vein. Um, leading that that stretch be, be below that that like below his nipple and then it kind of goes down a bit towards his abdomen and um so he went to his a regular doctor and he's like oh i've never seen that you know he's acting like an idiot but he ordered a x-ray and a a uh, sonogram that he's going for sunday um, so I took him to a acupuncturist who examined him very thoroughly and gave him some treatments on his like uh, trapezoid muscle, like right kind of by the aorta vein or artery and a couple in his groin and, and down by the ankle, uh, like above the ankle. So I'm wondering if you've heard of anything like that. Uh, he doesn't have shortness of breath or like any other real symptoms other than now he's stressing out about it. Um, anybody hear of anything like that? Uh, shortness of breath? No, no oh, shortness of, of breath. No, everything else seems pretty normal. Other than ugh, there was a bit of tingling on his left arm. And uh, for several months now, when he lays down on the couch, he said his left leg is kind of numb. So, so I don't know. Human, I, I, uh, has his GP run a full cardio exam on him? No. 
No, that's why I have I have paper here. And every go every one of the, the symptoms doctor. that you're talking about, the left arm tingling, the left, you know, pec area below the nipple, the left leg tingling when he lays down, like all those things in my mind are potential flags. And when I'm, you know, dealing with patient intake or anything else, my, my biggest thing is always rule out the worst first, because then the rest can be worked on, right? But if there's a cardiovascular issue going on and he needs to get on blood thinners or something, that needs to be ruled out first. Yeah, I was like, I was like, did he order a blood test or anything like that? But yeah, I'm like, what is he going to see in an X-ray or even a sonogram? At, like that's a week after his appointment. I mean, I, I, I feel like there should be a little more urgency um, with the anything cardiovascular related. I, I agree. And I, completely. I would, I would have him add. I mean, and I would just call the office and ask him if they'd go ahead and order so you can have them done at the same time that he reviews the sonogram, but uh, a D-dimer, um, a uh, fibrin and fibrinogen test, um, a general, you know, CBC with differential, that'll show if the white blood cells are elevated or anything funky's going on there. Um, maybe a homocysteine. A lot of insurance won't run homocysteine anymore because the doctors don't know what to do with it. If it's elevated, they're kind of like, meh. I mean, it's a true sign of cardiovascular distress, but they don't know what to do with it. Um, that's another conversation entirely. There's ways of getting it down, but uh, I don't know if they'll run it. So D-dimer, um, fibrinogen, uh, homocysteine, and a CBC with differential. Is that and CB like in boy? CBC? Yeah, it, okay. it's complete blood count. So CBC, yep. Okay, so we could probably call them um, today and ask them to order that. Yeah, I would call the office and ask if they'd put an order in so that you guys can get the blood draw done and he'll get the results around the same time. Yep. Okay, thank you so much. Um, even the the, the um, acupuncturist was saying that he's seen a lot of people come in with similar, uh, and he was calling it long COVID. Um, He's like, did you have COVID recently? You know, and and he tested positive at so, the fifth test. Yeah, but I mean, okay, if he had COVID a couple weeks ago, that's not long COVID, right? Long COVID comes on months after, like you still have signs and, and symptoms and and lab values and things happening months after. So that's a maybe. But if he just had it really recently, it certainly wouldn't be a long COVID status. Um, you know, in terms of again, rule out the worst. And if that's not it, it's not cardiovascular, then you can start ruling into, okay, could it be a mineral imbalance? Because tingling under the left breast, the left arm, the left leg, again, same side, that's why I'm saying rule heart first, right? But it could be um, a mineral deficiency, like even magnesium, super important for the heart too. So, you know, you kind of go down the next level of what else could it be if it's not heart after you rule out, you know what I mean? Would these levels be detectable in a blood test, the mineral imbalance? Potentially, yeah. I mean, if you wanted to add like a um, RBC for red blood cell magnesium, it's, it's more specific than doing a general magnesium, but RBC magnesium. Um, you know, the others would show up in a metabolic panel. 
so like a, a basic or a, a comprehensive metabolic panel. I've heard from some of the people on here that at least they're claiming to be doctors. They're talking like they are. That says long COVID is not real. And they gave evidence backing it up. It's hard, David, because I mean, A, anybody on here who tried to tell me that they know for a fact something isn't real when this is a brand new thing that we're dealing with, I'd you know, respectfully tell them they're full of shit. We don't know a lot yet, but I personally know Money Penny and others who are dealing with long-term consequences symptomatically and on lab post-COVID infection. Like I'm watching their labs. They have super low natural killer cells and super high um, white blood cells or super low. Like there's some with both. Some are super high, some are super low and then um, excess macrophages and, and issues. So they're getting stuck in the cytokine storm. There's things like TGF beta, which transforming growth factor beta one that can be measured that shows whether or not there's um, excess self tissue destruction. Basically the body is kind of chewing up its own cells. Um, and there's other immune markers that can be run, including the um, CD4, CD8 natural killer cells that we're seeing issues so again, I, I'm not throwing barbs at anybody. I'm just saying there's no, there's no physician on the planet right now with this brand new thing that could say it doesn't exist, right? Because even, even in the past, there were things called post-viral syndrome, which people could get post any virus, which this has some similarities to, but it's also strikingly different as well. This how is many of, done. And how many I'll go ahead. How many of them people were unvaccinated, completely unvaccinated? Um, uh, I'll, right. I'll just, uh, how about go I just go ahead and chime in real fast? Um, I got sick in March of 2020. I've met many long haulers that were also sick around March of 2020. Um, I was perfectly healthy. I worked out all the time. I uh, was on a, um, sp I would say a specific diet where I avoided gluten. I avoided dairy. I avoided sugars. Um, I did everything right. And um, I put my body under stress while I was traveling um, during a week where everything was allegedly low risk during my travels. And that was the week that everything got shut down. And before I got home, I was like, why do I have chest pain for the first time in my life? And within a week, I had every single symptom that you've heard of by now, but they weren't, they didn't know back then. So I dealt with all that gaslighting. I assumed I was fine after I got over it all. Now I did get a lot of like fluid stuck in my lungs after I, my, my uh, fever had broke um, for at least a month. I dealt with what was like, I guess, COVID pneumonia, but I didn't know better. And so I beat my back and my chest and did all these things naturopathically on my own because my doctor said, you're low risk. No, there's no way you have it. And when I went in, he was like, you must have anxiety. So I can tell you, I, I've spent over you know, like at least five, in the five digits of trying to get my body back to health again. I, it's, it's a constant daily battle and I've met many people in the same battle. Um, so it's very real. So. And real quick to your question, David, of were most of them unvaccinated? I would say early on, of course, because, you know, this thing existed for a year before we had vaccines, right? So of course there were individuals who developed long COVID long time before the vaccines even showed up. But now we have the complicating factors of individuals who are vaccinated and having 
some similar symptoms to what's long COVID. There are some things that are very similar, eerily, and some things that are different. And there are doctors that are studying just that. I'm not one of them. I'm watching their research and paying close attention because I have patients in each of those camps. So this is Angela. I'm done. Dr. Angela, this is Regina. I just wanted to um, kind of ask this. Okay, my daughter, my son-in-law, his grandfather, his mom, his dad all had COVID, okay? I'm immune compromised. I've had two collapsed lungs. Um, I have asthma, and I also have Hashimoto's, and I have PTSD um, and anxiety. Okay, all of them had COVID, like minor symptoms. They lost taste. My daughter lost taste, smell. My son-in-law lost smell. His mother had a little bit of coughing, lost taste. Anyway, mild symptoms, not anything major. I've never worn a mask. I don't wear a mask. I don't believe in masking myself up unless, you know, certain circumstances. But I don't. I never masked up. And I never got this. And I was around all of them. And my daughter, um, I believe she had it last summer. She lost taste. Her taste came back after two months. Three months ago, she lost taste again. Or It's not really completely losing taste. Everything tastes funky. Like meat tastes like poop to her she can't even eat meat um the only thing that tastes really good to her is sweets and we're not sweet eaters and i will say this we are all unvaxxed i'm 100% anti-vax my grandsons don't get vaxxed anymore my daughter none of us get and we definitely have not taken this one so why did they all get it and i've not had one symptom not one Thing. And I've been around all of them. Unmasked, we get in gatherings, yep. we get big gatherings. So again, we don't know all the specifics yet, but it might be that back in, what, 2009 or 2003, you got exposed to HSV-1 or H1N1 that confers potential immunity against this? I had H1N1. Or it, H1N1 in 2000. Uh, I can't remember, but yes, I did. Nine. Mm -hmm. Then that probably answered your question. Wow, thank you. What's your thoughts on this? I think it might have been around March. For around half a day, my taste was seriously reduced, but not completely. And that's the only thing I noticed and haven't had anything since. Truly hard to say, David, because there are other things that can cause loss of taste and smell. So yeah, not really sure you know, what to say on that. But I do want to get back. We were following PTR order, and I think we were at Kwasim. I mean, it's, it's kind of funny, all this stuff that's happening, because Gates already came out and said, you guys think you've seen something, you haven't seen nothing yet. So all this stuff has been planned, and there's actually documentaries that are finally starting to surface there has been has been documents, but more are starting to surface of recent forums they had, like in 2016 and 17, stating that they needed to do something to actually speed all of this up. And I just seen one last night talking about the Darwinian uh, chemical uh, something exposing Fauci and his family. I said, what? It was deep. And yeah, Dr. Angela, I think you really might want to see that because to me, 
COVID was basically just designed to kill off humanity and can't nobody really debate that topic, especially when you look at the side effects that people are starting to have that they never had before. They're doing Holocaust on humanity all over again. Hey guys. Okay, Catherine, I know you answered a question, but did you get a chance to speak yet? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm driving right now. Um, I don't have anything to add at the moment. All right. And Regina, I know you chimed in and answering a question. Anything you wanted to share? No, but I was not aware that we were going in line, and I apologize for that. Hey, no worries. No, I'm good. No worries. We're, we're almost through the queue, and then we can just do PTR. Sierra, anything you'd like to share? No worries. She might be at work listening in the background. So we are through the PTR order, guys. Feel free to go popcorn style. If you have something you'd like to share or ask, go ahead to come off your mic and just say your name so we know who's speaking and take turns. Thank you. Hi, this is Tanya again. Um, one of the things I always find interesting when we are having these conversations um, is that we don't identify the difference when we talk about <clears throat> which vaccine what type of vaccine you took. I guess a lot of people assume everyone took the mRNA, but I think it would be helpful <clears throat> that if we started really having these conversations, it, you could learn more from understanding if you took the traditional, I guess, Johnson & Johnson, even though it's not traditional at all, but yes, you know, or, you know, this new mRNA um, uh, vaccine, it just would give more insight, you know, and not that anybody wants to share their blood type, but I think that that always has something to do with, you know, how people have different symptoms. Some people say, oh, well, you know, I have O type, so I'm not getting any symptoms, you know, so. Uh, well, I, Tanya, interesting. I, don't, I also don't want to lose sight or mislead people to think that Johnson & Johnson isn't an mRNA. It's, it's simply a different vector delivery system they basically took an adenovirus and then genetically or um, synthetically manipulated it to insert the mRNA inside of it so that it, with the body, the immune system would pick it up in a certain way, if that makes no, sense. No, that's great. I think that a lot of people aren't clear on that, including myself, um, as to, you know, because uh, even my family in Mexico City, they, they took the... Um, the AstraZeneca, because that's actually all they, they don't have Johnson and Johnson, but that's what their comparable is so that they don't take, you know, Pfizer. Um, so they think that they're kind of in the clear in terms of taking a traditional um, vaccine as well down there. So um, I just find yeah, that unfortunately really not insightful. at all. And, and I will say that we do know that Johnson and Johnson also um, does disclose that there's polyethylene glycol in it, which is much of what money penny's been bringing forth and talking about today with regard to the dendromers thank you so much for sharing that i think that a lot of people would, would appreciate that anybody want to jump in popcorn style you know i just, you know, I just realized i've been learning about pauline yes. ethylene glycol and you know that's what they use for a laxative I'm like, I've been taking this stuff. It's also in shampoos and lots of lots of body care products. They put it in vape too. Like the vape juice. And then also 
Also, so I, what I've learned is we have to watch what we're, what we're eating because that Sonomics technology is they're using that in sweeteners to sweeten our foods and things. So if you've been feeling weird while you eat, it's because of that Sonomics bioengineering. Because there's a lot of foods I stopped eating recently. I absolutely agree that food in the U.S. is a toxic delivery system. Absolutely. Um, but I will also say that when, when people talk about um, polyethylene glycol being in shampoos and things, like, I get it. I mean, one, it's it's an allergen to many people, so we should avoid it when we can. But using something topically or even ingesting something is very different than injecting it into your bloodstream. Uh, so... Again, we should avoid things wherever we can, but we also need to understand the difference between ingestion, inhalation, and the way those, you know, our endothelial linings in our nasal passages and in our trachea, our esophagus, and our gastrointestinal tract can handle those things versus when it's injected into our blood. This is the actual undone. Did uh, uh, the topic of uh, Prince Harry, should I call Prince or not, I'm not sure, uh, was speaking about HIV, was it covered? No, bring it in. Okay. Go, Dr. Sun. So the Guardian, <laughs> the Guardian uh, had this article uh, with the headline, Prince Harry get tested for HIV to protect others in same way as for COVID. Interesting article. Duke of Sussex says in video, let me pull this whole article, um, with uh, Gareth Thomas that he hopes to continue Di Lady Diana's work to eradicate stigma. And he urged people to know your status, to get tested for HIV, saying he hopes to carry carry on his mother's work to help eradicate stigma and his understanding surrounding the virus. And so it goes on and on. We are not hyping anything about HIV. Then there's another article that was posted in last December by Chen et al. So it is not very long ago. And I'll just read out the important part of the, the abstract, which states, vaccination programs are being rolled out globally, but most of these vaccines have been approved without extensive studies on their side effects and efficacy. Recently, new onset autoimmune phenomena after COVID-19 vaccination has been reported increasingly. For example, immune thrombotic thrombocytopenia, autoimmune liver diseases, Guillain-Barre syndrome, IgA nephropathy, rheumatoid arthritis, and systemic lupus erythematosus. Molecular mimicry, the production of particular autoantibodies and the role of certain vaccine adjuvant seem to be substantial contributor to autoimmune phenomenon. However, 
whether the association between COVID-19 vaccine and autoimmune manifestation is coincidental or causal remains to be elucidated. And so on the whole abstract goes. Not surprising, but uh, <clears throat> wow. We've had another room where Michael and I were trying to break down all the rules of how the HIV updated testing and um, <laughs> the potential increased rates after vaccination and the articles coming out of South Africa about the woman who had undiagnosed HIV having increased um, variants, not variants, increased uh, mutations of the SARS-CoV-2 in her body, all kinds of stuff. I'm just trying to wrap my head around. So a little crazy. Thank you for sharing. So that's money, Penny. I'm just listening in. But up top is an article about dendromas being used for HIV. Um, so I'll leave it with the uh, mods, um, but maybe there's a section there and somebody might like to read it. Um, my food is in the oven. I should be back with you in 10 or 15 minutes. Okay, thanks. Enjoy, money penny. <laughs> <laughs> it's only fish fingers. <laughs> Question, how does anyone feel about blood transfusions given the COVID vaccine being inoculated into individuals uh, does anybody have any information on that? Or is that something that uh, you should be leery of if you need any type of blood transfusion? I would definitely be leery of it because they're even saying there's going to be a time period this year where people will start to fly, uh, die off again because of the CRISPR technology and just things activating in the body more from those who have been vaccinated. And who knows, maybe they'll be activating these 5G towers in these cities. Like I just seen for the first time, someone sent me pictures from California. I'm like, wow, they're putting them towers everywhere. Camouflage tree on top of a cactus. I said, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, they, they've been doing that because um, the birds they, uh, there's a really adverse reaction in the animal, you know, world. They they try to like pick at them and you know push them down. So it's, it's, it's so fascinating how the animals are just responding, you know, or adversely against these poles going up. A, that should say a lot. Must be attracted to that frequency, also. Yeah, they had an article there in Chicago. There has been a recent case in the UK where uh, a mother has refused to have her baby receive the vaccinated people's blood um, for transfusion. So that, that oh, just came yeah. out uh, two, three days ago in my notice. Yeah, okay, thank you. They're trying to give that to a baby. They're sick. Yes, she 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 had to fight on the religious ground because they wouldn't accept any other, I think. So probably she was being clever to not have that blood transfused to her baby. 
Just a quick one, Santosh, but that would be very rare because we don't have any mandate or any pressure on anybody to vaccinate children. It is entirely up to the parent unless there is a serious underlying illness. We are talking about the blood donation, uh, not the jabs of money penny. <laughs> Sorry, that treats me for listening in, doesn't it? I'll go back to frying fish fingers. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, just wanted to remind you. Yes, the talk has changed. Probably she just uh, came back after the last discussion. Seen, Didn't catch up guys, on the topic. Have you guys seen the new new videos with the babies who have been born? What on the what in the pandemic? No. Yeah, they're calling them uh, COVID vaccine babies, and they're like. They're like not coming out like normal babies. They're like coming out like they've been here five years already. No. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. Strange babies. I did cover that topic uh, long ago, and that was um, that came from uh, that uh, Spanish. Um, what is his name? Ricardo. No, I'm forgetting the one who exposed the graphene presence in the shots. From La Quinta, from the La Quinta Columna, the engineer. Uh, so he he showed in one of the video the strange looking babies, and babies uh, sitting up earlier than the yeah, expected time, and black eyes babies. There's some uh, strange looking eyes. They they look like very different. But I'm I'm still. Uh, you know, not sure. I have not seen a single baby who is born to uh, somebody who has taken the shot. So uh, I can't kind of conclude on what's happening to the babies. But we need to look out for these kids. Absolutely. Well, two of my friend nurse friends are uh, in New York City here. Are They work in the, what is it called? The labor and delivery. Um, I could ask them. Because they, they see babies being born every day. But newborn babies, yeah, they could have uh, some presentation. But these are like after a few months, then you see the real changes in them. Oh, months gotcha. to Like six months to one year when they, they show a different personality and uh, psychomotor activities and uh, stuff like that. And... The ones I have seen, I, I was shaken after seeing that video. I hope that that's not true for all. I am just praying. That's so scary. Well, their DNA is altered. Definitely. They have a different, I mean, I would want to see how many strands of DNA they have because they, they probably came out just different altogether because of their genetic structure. Now, this will be from babies from mothers who were vaccinated. And possibly fathers, right? I have a unique take on that. Yes, yes. Yeah, vaccinated mother and father. So what was the date? Does anybody know the date of those videos? Because when you stop and think about it, so it's been about, what, a year, a little over a year since those shots were basically, you know, circulated and are distributed. And so... If you think about it and you're seeing babies that to me when i saw them too i thought they seemed like they were a year old or older it just seems like the timing is off 
Um, so well, they could be Linda. They could be from you know. There was a lot of pregnant mothers that supposedly actually had to be tested on during the vaccination stage of testing. You know, so that we knew if it was safe. Um, so that's a possibility. Yeah. One of the condition that was um, coming to the mind was that these babies are growing so fast, like as if they are uh, having the condition of progeria, where the aging process uh, gets expedited. So I'm not sure how true that is, but uh, these things to to be seen how they unfold. Can I add my opinion? Sure. My coming. Uh, um, all right, first to add a little bit of context to it, do you know about DMT, dimethyltryptamine? They also call it spirit molecule. It's brains. Um, and it has been confirmed that it, it is not just an internal experience, it is an external experience. People have received messages from a spirit being on DMT and their conversation get carried over to somebody else, like messages relayed and stuff. So it is an external experience. Maybe that shot is doing something to, to where your brain isn't making as much DMT and babies being newborn, their bodies are more pure. So maybe the reason babies are constantly distracted is maybe they can see spirits and this is cutting off their spiritual side so they're not distracted. I always and, said it would take away your God conscience. And or it's, it's stressing out the body to make the body advance. Like this is just a guess, but I would guess if you got a baby that's born in a home where dogs are constantly barking in an aggressive manner, that baby would probably learn to crawl faster or walk faster just from the stress of getting away from the dog. You get what I'm saying? If, if that kind of adds any way. Okay, Money Penny, there's you another research project. Oh, I'll add it to the long list. Thank you. Okay. You think that could be any truth to that? I mean, it's an opinion. It's a thought, a conclusion. Could there be any context to it? At this point, I think everything is up for research. I think within a few years, we'll start to get more information. But right now, the things that we can see, feel, taste, and understand is pretty much going to be priority. And as things go on, I think other things will develop. Uh, so, you know, like you may have a great point there. Did anybody catch up, uh, caught up with the news uh, of Dave Leather, David Leatherman's Testing positive for shingles. No, I don't know. But my, no, but one. my friend, but my friend Rafael, he did yesterday. Yeah, yeah. he he he. Uh, a friend of mine uh, tested positive. Well, not even tested. He actually got shingles. It was horrible. 
he didn't know what it was. And then he went and found out and it's on his chest and his back and it's, it's permanent. They literally told them, they, they said there's nothing they can do. And, um, and he's, you know, he took the vaccine and he's one of those people I, I will never be able to communicate about this until he finds information on his own. But I did send him one article that was, you know, very factual that shows that this is a side effect. And, uh, but he, you know, it's like, he didn't give me a response, but you know, what do you do? Again, I think someone earlier said, it's like, it's hard to know this information because like when you show people, even if, even if it's, they know it to be true because they're intelligent people, there's just a sense, you know, of, of denial of, you know, what, what do we call it? The, uh, the dissidents, the, um, the just cognitive the, uh, yeah, cognitive dissidence of just, just this idea of not being able to process that. And I don't want to push cause it's like, I think someone else mentioned, you know, how do you talk to people, um, you know, how, how are these people being able to say, Hey, you know, I told you so or whatever. And, and me as an unvaccinated person, it's just, I have just an immense amount of compassion for the people who have, what is it, you know, whatever buyer's regret or whatever someone said, it's just, um, I can't imagine what that may be like to discover. And when that all comes down for them, how just debilitating it could all be, cause it may be just way too much. Um, the, and the so, no, well, not just him. I'm just talking about in general, um, oh, just tell. how, wait, hold on a second, David, let me just finish what I'm saying. Um, just, you know, it's just, it's just really, it's just a, a challenge to be able to bring people information and stuff. And, you know, of course with shingles or anything else, there are you know things out there to help that may be holistic so that's kind of the only thing I can do is really support him holistically. However, it's just bringing him the information that it's related to a decision he made um, that, um, yeah, you have to live with that, right? So No, he doesn't. That's my Tell share. him to look into hydrogen for health. The guy with shingles, it can cure it. Look into hydrogen for health. George no, no I understand. Okay, I'll look into that. Definitely. Thank you so much. Um, no, I'm just saying... He's going to have to live with the decision of, that, that he took the vaccine, that this is what I'm saying, not, not living with the shingles, that he's looking into holistic health or whatnot. But I'll, 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 I'll definitely hit you on the back channel for that. I just, I just mean having to live with decisions that you then have all of these. Um, and he's not the only one. Another friend of mine just, you know, was walking and he just fell over and, you know, passed out and. Um, and there's many other stories that I, I could go into, but it's, it's just, it's just nothing like it, it's very difficult to bring them all this information on top of the fact that they're dealing with these insane side effects. So, um, and some of them just, you know, aren't with us anymore. So that's, that's another, you know, result of it. Yeah, you that's know a great point. Um, Let's try to keep our mics closed unless we're actually speaking and please let people finish. That's all. Thank you. Did you want to say something, Linda? Uh, you know, the, yes. Thank you, um, Robert. I was just going to mention that there's a weird connection um, between the shingles and the vaccine because I remember early on when my 
doctor, my prior doctor, actually, who was a doctor for a long time and who basically, you know, in a separate private conversation away from, from his office, basically said, you know, don't take the vaccine. <laughs> I won't say who he is, but um, basically said, no, this is not a good thing. The side effects are back. And he said, and Linda, think about it. He goes, um, there's only two shots I can't, I can't have, you know, or administer in this office. It's COVID and shingles. And I thought, so shingles always sticks in my mind as it's it's like paired with COVID in the vaccinations that can't be given in in the doctor's office. At least that's that's what he had told me. So anyway, I don't I don't really know if that from a medical standpoint there's a reason for that or um, if that's not true everywhere, uh, but it's certainly true here. So there you go. That's it. I land my plane. Thank you, Linda. I didn't mean to take control of the room here. I just wanted to make sure people can hear each other. I did want to back up what Tanaya was saying. I think it was you, Tanaya, I'm sorry, about how people that have taken the jab. Um, I'm very, very um, in touch emotionally with some people that I'm very, I love very, very much, very dearly. And out of concern for themselves or their elders around them or the people they're taking care of or their children or themselves, they were coerced in taking this jab um, with uneducated. And now... It's very, very hard for them, even though the evidence is there and the science is there to back it up. They won't listen to the the evidence, the science, and you just got to kind of wait for them to come to terms emotionally with their decision because nobody wants to morally feel like, oh, I made the wrong decision for the health of the person around me or themselves. I just feel for you, Tanaya, on that, on that topic, and uh, that's all. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you for saying that because it's just... It's it's a, a lot of times it's it's at least here in New York City my, more 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 than not it's because they they were forced to when people say oh yeah you you know people aren't being forced to no people if if from one day to another you are going to lose your job that's your entire livelihood and if you have children or if you've moved here from somewhere else that you, that would require for you to move back from New York City. You know, because New York City is expensive, so it's not like something you could just be like, oh, I can pay my rent next month. And a lot of people here live check to check because it's really, really expensive to live here. So and they're just moving here from somewhere else to, you know, create their lives and their careers. And um, and and yeah, so so they've made these decisions. And, you know, for, for some people, they haven't been affected at all. So it's not a, it's not affecting them. However, um, they literally had to, like, hold their nose. You know what I mean? Doing it against their will to some extent. I don't think that they've even come to terms with the, the fact that it is against their will, even though they think they've made the decision. So it's just a little difficult because, um, yeah, that's another aspect of it, right? That we don't talk about. But um, yeah, I know. I know that we we pro probably are way off the topic, but that I'm still yeah, waiting for money, to money penny to. Uh, to, or to, to, I'm still learning so much about this topic that was presented. And earlier today, actually, right before I got into the room, I was literally uh, listening to a doctor talk about how this is all related to these HIV strands. And it was so complex and dense. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to leave that and come into this room. And <laughs> here's another just yet yeah, heavy topic. So um, but it's interesting that, that that now we're getting down to the heavy stuff. Right. So that that's it's good to hear that doctors have just nonstop been looking and searching um, for what the ingredients are. <laughs> like, well, you know, what is this? I think that's the number one thing. 
I just wanted to do a quick reset, you guys. Thank you for coming. Of course, if you're not following Preservation of the Human Race, click the little green Monopoly house up there. Jump up and down on it. Whatever you got to do. Join the club. Uh, we love you all. If there's any doctors in the room or anybody that um, has any uh, education or experience with the topic or have read the link at the top and have any comments or questions on that, please raise your hand. Come on up. Or if you have a question, please back channel me and I'll definitely get it out there. I am not the scientist or the doctor. I'm just here in the background, but I definitely encourage a good conversation on the topic. Thank you all very much. Well, not, not to like put anybody on the spot, but Antonia was definitely on the lead of some really good information. Um, and I think you were looking into it and reading into it. So I would love to hear more about what you think about the, the documents. Is it Antonio? Antonio? Antonia. Sorry. Oh, maybe she's off. I, I do have a um, uh, YouTube link I was sent by Min Money Penny that I can play when we get a second here. Uh, in the next couple of minutes, I'll go ahead and play that if you guys want to get ready. Yeah, if you Love could, that. so my mouth's not full and then I'll come back and join. <laughs> no problem. Just a, about one minute and I'll get that ready. So this is a presentation. I'd like to say it's a basic one, but none of them are basic. In fact, most of the presentations about dendromas and nanotechnology are done in a, an educational way for trainees, cellular microbiologists. <laughs> um, yeah, but this one I like. It is a presentation that talks about using dendromas in a therapeutic way. But in that way, obviously, it explains a little bit from the basics of what they are to how they do what they do. So hopefully it'll fill a few holes for a little while. Beautiful. And I am ready. So I'll go ahead and play that. Um, um, moderators that are in the room, if you need me, just say something on mic and say something. And if for some reason you can't get to me, just mute me and I'll, get out and I'll shut up. Okay, here we go. Let me know if it's too loud or anything. I won't be able to see the room, but I'll be in the background. Hello, everyone. I hope you're all doing well right now. Um, I know it's sometimes it's boring in quarantine, so I hope I can make this uh, presentation as fast as possible. So today I'm going to be talking about dendrimers as computing agents. Uh, so at the beginning, I just want to give you some information about the history of how dendrimers and how they came to be. So let's just say that they were first just known as uh, cascade polymers. That they are just tri-dimensional structures, highly organized. Quickly, is that too loud or is there interference? How's it okay? Yeah, kind it's of. a bit um, distorted because it's loud. You maybe put it down a little bit. Okay. A bit echoey. That's fine with me. Okay, I'll turn it down just a little bit. It's nice that we just uh, were taught in class. Uh, they first appeared in 1978, and then from 1978 to the 1990s, they, the, the research that the during that time period, which in 1983, Tamale et al. reported the, the very interesting type of, of dendrimers that is highly used in medicine right now, uh, which is the polyamidoamines or the PAMAM dendrimers, which is just prepared from uh, a mixture of amines and amides. We're going to see the structure of PAMAM later in this presentation, but I just want to give, want to give you the history. Then, so a lot of other dendrimer types were uh, reported in that time period, and in general, these molecules were widely known as just like 
three were boral, four cascade-shaped polymers, but we just know that they are super organized hyperbranched polymers. So a Dan River uh, is a nanosized radially symmetric molecule with a well-defined and homogeneous uh, structure. They're hyperbranched polymers, but with highly organized or exquisite control of it. Uh, the structure of the dendrite kind of stems from the core, and then from that central structure, you can start branching out, and those branches are called the dendrons, as, as you can see here. And the, within those dendrons and the space between the core and the, and the branches, you can see that there are some internal voids uh, and uh, peripheral uh, end groups, or some, sometimes functional end groups, um, occur because of this interaction. This is going to be really important to remember later in the presentation because this is what's going to give the dendrites the reputation that they have right now in the medical field. So, cascade reactions are the foundation of dendrite synthesis because, as you can see in both types of, uh, of synthesis, there are just molecules after molecules added to each other in order to make the branching and make dendrite. However, this addition can happen can come in two flavors. The diversion and conversion synthesis approaches are kind of different, but they have the same principle and they yield exactly, well, not exactly, but they kind of like yield the same thing. Um, so for example, the, the diversion approach is that you start from the core and then you start branching out, which was what's been used in the early periods when when this when this um when this type of polymer was first invented. However, in the convergent approach, which is kind of like more used today, uh, you start from the branches and then you make it to the core at the end. The convergent approach gives you a slight advantage because in this strategy, the final generation number is predetermined because you're, you've already made the branches, the outer, the outer layer, and then you're just bringing everything into the core at the end. So why do we care about this? Let's just start by saying that the dendritic branching that has been happening in both approaches uh, leads to semi-globular and globular configurations with large number of fun terminal function groups, which is kind of like the basis of all the fun stuff that can be done with dendrimers. Because when you have those voids between the, uh, the core and the, the branches, if you have something that is small enough, either organic or inorganic, it doesn't matter at this point, you can put it in there, and by controlling the terminal function groups, you can design the dendrimer in order to protect the, the material inside or the drug inside, for example, from whichever environment you want it to be in. So, for example, here, here's that PAM AM dendrimer or the polyamidamine uh, polymer. You can see that it's, it's just like a branching of amides and amines all together with the core in the middle, and then as the generation increases, you can see that the amount of branching in, in, the, in the molecule increases as well. And then you can see here that there is this internal cavity with the void space where, where if you have something, you can put it in there and design all those branches or the terminal branches here to kind of like fit in with the environment that, that is complex between the drug and the polymers that inside it. So this leads us to talk about dendrimers in drug administration. So there was a, a report of, about the the use of PAM, a um, dendrimer generation three, and the transport the transport of granulol to the adenocarcinoma cell line, CACO2. Propranolol is a beta blocker which is used in to treat high blood pressure and sometimes chest pain. And the adenocarcinoma is the type of cancer that uh, starts in the mucus producing glandular cells in your body. And, and this exists in a lot of different cancer types in our bodies, such as breast cancer and prostate cancer. 
So when you make this dendrum of drug conflicts, it involves the emphysitosis mediated trans-epithelial transport to increase the drug solubility and bypass the drug efflux transporter, which improves the drug bioavailability. So this was a lot of terms. So let's just like break that down a little bit using this graph. So when you when first ingested the complex, just goes through the mucus layer and the epithelial layer, which just bypasses a lot of the transport blockers that would have blocked that drug from going inside the cell. So that's what increases the solubility and improving the drug bioavailability. Once the complex passes the epithelial layer, it gets endocytosed using an endosome inside the cell, which then, because of the enzyme inside of the endosome, complex then associates, which releases the drug inside the cell, which gets inside the nucleus and alters the transcription of the cell. In addition, the PAAM, AM dendrimers, they were also used in, as drug carriers of ketoprofen and uh, campethesin. Ketoprofen is uh, a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, and, and campethesin is a, a cancer drug. And then the corresponding studies in vitro and in vivo of both these uh, complexes showed that the dendrimer molecules were quite capable of increasing the solubility of the drug in water and eliminating the negative effect in the gastrointestinal tract. So for one PAM, AM, dendrimer ketoprofen complex had Robert, also a anti-inflammatory, anti-pyrectic. Did you say pause? <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably a combination of sound quality and a high level of technicality but I'm not sure people would find that quite as stimulating <clears throat> as uh, nerds like myself. Um, I don't know. People on the... Uh, people, uh, let's ask Linda, Antonia, people upstage. Um, was that a little bit too woo for everybody? Just a little. I couldn't hear that, Regina. I think you opened your mic. I could barely hear it myself. Ah, oh, okay, right. Jimmy speaking. I could hardly make it out. Yeah, I can hardly make you out, though. Do you know, I've got my volume on full and I can barely hear you. I don't know what's going on in this room. We had this earlier on, a couple of hours ago. Some people were really loud. Some people were really quiet. <laughs> I don't know what was going on. How about now? Is it better? Wow. <laughs> Much better, thank you, Jimmy. Oh, okay. Took off my Bluetooth headset. Oh, huge improvement. Wow, moral of the story, don't buy Bluetooth headsets, presumably. (laughs) This is Linda Moneypenny. So I have a question about light, because I think you mentioned light before as well um, in in all of this. And um, so I I was looking at that as well. So um, it looks like at, at um, some point, or maybe they still do, they actually use the uh, dentromeres in uh, the LED layers of light. Um, have, have you found that, or is that what were you referring to earlier? Yeah, I was referring to it. I wasn't referring to it within the light itself. Um, what I was referring to is the dendroma, this supramolecular cell with all these clever things that it can do, Whilst it's got all these clever things in its toy box, it doesn't open the toy box and get them out until it's triggered. And one of the most used triggers that has been successful in the science labs has been the use of um, photo, um, so colored lights. So whether that be ultraviolet, infrared, colored lights particularly have been used to trigger it. 
So in the same way, using colored lights in the laboratory setting, when they've been doing experiments to look at the capabilities of the dendromers, um, which come in different sort of grades. It's quite confusing because I was reading and it said you've got a 3G, a 4G and a 5G. And I was thinking, oh, God, a 5G dendroma. It was just actually a generational thing. So when these were first sort of invented in the late 1980s, um, they moved through generations uh, almost like a piece of software would. And every time a new generation came out, their responses and capabilities um, became more advanced and broader. But now it is the particularly the low lower frequency uh, infrared light that is used particularly well, effectively, to, um, to activate dendromas um, in mice and in a multitude of lab experiments. Um, so that was in my only reference to light. But then somebody came back because I talked about the fact that the light that is often used for tracing of the dendroma, so this is tracing the dendroma itself in the body, um, is of a bluer color. So it's a blue colored light that the dendroma uses in the body. So we talk about luciferase, which glows a sort of yellowy color. We've got infrared targeting the um, dendroma to make it act. And then we've got the blue light, the dendroma or the dendrite cells themselves give off. So many different colors there. <laughs> Hopefully that will help. Yeah, that is very, very interesting because e even in looking at the way it was used in, in LED, uh, it, it's actually organic. I mean, that's, it's used in an organic way. Um, so I can see the connection in that and how the different layers of light would be triggered. There's that word, right? Based on the ones you're, you're basic. And it also referenced numbers. So, you know, and I don't, I don't really know if that's based on um, the generations or, or what that they um, used. So it's, yeah. it's, I'll post that article again. It's the article that is called An Amphilic Dendroma as a Light Activable Immunological Adjuvant for In-Situ Cancer Vaccination, uh, which in simple terms says um, using a dendroma as a light activated um, sort of encouraging device to help the immune position um, that somebody with cancer already has. So it's used, um, dendromas can be used in vaccinations and have been used in vaccine, uh, in a lot of these scientific papers that I've looked at um, in an experimental capacity, but primarily the um, real human capacity has been around treating cancer um, or certainly looking at different ways to deliver um, uh, pharmaceutical products into the body surrounded by a sort of protective layer, um, whether that be a nanolipid layer or whether it be hydrogel, um, but in order to get something in the body um, and the fact that it's triggered by a light or, you know, a sound waves is just, you know, the, the sort of wow sci-fi bit of it that all this is possible. I um I had a question. Um, first off, I just want to say thank you. Thank you guys for inviting me to the board. I send love and blessings and the hedge of protection upon you and your houses. Um, in regards to that specific point, I wanted to know the data upon uh, or what frequencies uh, would be would, would be the most potent in response to the dendromers. 
Yeah, and I'm currently scanning through a 17-page article taken from nature.com, which will no doubt say that, but it has got a huge amount of information, a lot of it tabular. So what I think I'll do is I'll post it at the top so that you could download it along with anyone else who's interested in this uh, photosensitive type activation. Um, and you could have a look at yourself and maybe come back and report to us um, because it would be interesting to know but it is no doubt in page 16 of 17, and I haven't got the time to read it quite <laughs> at the moment. I, I will tune back in with y'all on that when I figure that out. Um, I am an audio. Lovely. Fantastic. Right. I'll post it at the top. Thank you. Absolutely. And just to make, a, just to make a, uh, the last point, I am an audio engineer. So this is directly an influence in regards to exactly how we're going to be able to bring this to the uh I would say the naturalized front of music, just in the ways that we kind of ingested based off of the loudness war and a whole bunch of other things that I know a few of us have been studying. If anyone is interested also on helping me with that study, please fall, uh, feel free to follow me on uh, my, my social medias and message me um, as uh, the more the merrier. Uh, we're trying to survive here. So uh, I, 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 re I relinquish my space. I just want to send that love. Well, could I ask you a question while well, I'm just putting this up then? Um, if you know a lot about wavelengths and frequencies, um, I'm also interested in looking at the use of radio isotopes, EMF, um, electromagnetic um, frequencies, and obviously looking also at the, the 5G uh, frequencies and radio waves in general um, that cause um, different symptoms in the human body that are incredibly similar to those that are reported with COVID. Have you looked at any of that? Can you give us any of your special information? Because I'd love to know. So um, what we do have right now are anecdotal accounts. And what we were studying was um, the, the, my, my, my big brother, Mike Jr., he uh, has a VCV rack on his iPad. So we were able to digitally uh, uh, recreate whatever frequencies were in, in existence. What we recognized was that certain n numerical values hold a specific shape. And obviously we know that sound is shape because we could see the shape through its digitized form from the uh, oscillator. What we do know is that certain actual frequencies aren't complete in regards to making a full resonance in circle. And usually whole tones and circles are pure, whereas to, there are impure tones that exist. And we, I have yet, that's the reason as to why I asked you that question. We have yet to be able to find exactly what that numerical value is for the vaccine to see if what we found already knowing that uh, certain frequencies don't have a whole tone or whole value, uh, which means that they're incomplete, which means that it's a lower frequency towards the actual oscillation, meaning the, um, uh, how many overtones would be within that because that's what a pure tone would be it contains overtones and other ones have distortions which means they're impure uh and we also recognize that the shapes uh, uh some shapes are obviously more angelic in the way that they present themselves while others aren't necessarily in that same category the shapes themselves look like serpents specific to whatever number you're on it's very interesting so we were just like this is scary i kind of i didn't want to it's a little scary. And then what uh, Mike Jr. basically had expressed to me was physically, um, because he wasn't, he wasn't, um, uh, he didn't had uh, take the jab at the time. He was around people that had the jab, and uh, his tongue was vibrating in spaces where uh, people were already vaccinated. 
Uh, and that was a that was a separate account from uh, the research, and we were just trying to figure out again what the numerical value is for him to have to feel the difference in vibration in his uh, in his physical state. So the, that's mm. just a little bit of what we've noticed. That's a little bit of what we gathered. And anybody got any more information? Swing to me. I'll swing it back to you. Yes, as well. I have. Can I give you my information? Was one at the top. Whilst looking at nature.com, if you just search on the words um, frequency um, sound or frequency virus or frequency anything, I've got some articles that have just come up, one of which was published today, which is called Shaping Light Waves in Time and Frequency for Optical Fiber Communication in Viral Medication. And then we've got natural signal statistics and sensory gain control or femtometer amplitude, imaging of coherent super high frequency vibrations in macro mechanical resonators. Wow, these are big words. Just go into nature. There's loads about radio frequencies, electro frequencies, some fantastic stuff that is totally beyond me, but no doubt would be helpful for you. I absolutely appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, me and the team will uh, will will definitely uh, go back into the to the search bar and figure this out. Love and blessing. No problem at all. So nature.com and also the other one that's worth looking at is obviously the Lancet, L-A-N-C-E-T, and perhaps more specifically for dendromas or viruses or connections to COVID. I would go to Cell, just called C-E-L-L, which is another medical uh, journal, highly regarded, um, that would be uh, much more specific, I think, if you were looking for specifics to help. That last one? Cell. C-E-L-L. C-E-L-L. Cell. Lovely. Thank you. I just wanted to give Dr. Susan a chance to speak. I've seen you and Mike. Go ahead. Hi. I just listening. I kind of, my friend Rachel. Told, you know, shared this with me and um i'm this is a passion of mine um i've been studying emf for probably seven years and noticed the con- connection with um did a lot of microscopies and uh, studying lyme disease um found it in my own blood and i actually tested a lot of people just wanted to get their blood tested and i found that almost everybody has these spirochetes it's not just just the people affected, but the people that were affected most had clumped blood. So I actually looked at different ways of unclumping the blood. I'm a, I'm a retired physician. I haven't practiced in 20 years in the Western medicine realm, but getting sick actually um, and having to craft my own recovery kind of red pilled me quite a while ago and made these connections. And I think these connections can be applied to almost anything, but essentially EMF clumps the blood one minute, a two minute cell phone. I have someone with separated blood cell and they get a phone call on a cell phone and it clumps the blood almost immediately. Same with exposed, just a smart meter or, you know, in a, in a, you know, like there would be a fluorescent lights in the room and I couldn't unclump anyone's blood. Um, and then you could put um, a superimposition of a, frequency of like 432 for instance or organ energy we could hold or mret energy where they actually have like a a simulation of the earth's magnetic field that i mean because the earth is a magnetic field 
And it actually has frequencies all life, you know, evolved with. And in terms of it doesn't stress you out. But these new artificial frequencies are millimeter waves or small waves. And they're like increasingly smaller and smaller milliwaves. And this actually actually causes a stress reaction. It causes a fight or flight reaction within the organism. In fact, it, uh, there's an epidemic, a mold epidemic that's happening right now where toxic mold. Well, essentially even organisms like, you know, fungi can actually react and they actually be, became more toxic, produce tox more toxins and they reproduce more. In fact, uh, there's a Swiss study done, Klinghart, we actually put, uh, petri dishes in a Faraday cage and and they had a lot of the Wi-Fi in the room and when they took the Faraday cages off the mold just it went it was the mycotoxin 600 times worse so there's a lot of implication of like electromagnetic fields and actually shocking shock and all uh, amongst the whole entire animal kingdom and plant kingdom too i mean there's a 95 percent reduction in the butterfly population a 95 percent a 90 percent drop in the bee population birds are falling out of the sky when they turn on these uh these uh these death uh you know the <laughs> gwen towers or, you know, 5G towers or 6G. They actually even have things already planned. I mean, even back in the day in World War II, people, there was Raderman's disease. I mean, the radar uh, was actually causing, you know, people to have chronic illness, essentially, because our bodies are not used to these artificial frequencies. But however, there's an additive property of waves and you can literally superimpose a nurse magnetic frequency. You can superimpose like a 432 Hertz. You could superimpose these other frequencies to mask the effect. So we don't feel it. So it's still there. It's still going to be read on a, like a tri-field meter, but essentially your body is not going to react because it doesn't see it. It's, and because, you know, there's an additive property of waves where you literally, if you add a lot of, you know, kind of an, it's not a symmetric, it's not a regular frequency, it's kind of irregular and it's kind of, um, I don't know, it's more natural. I mean, it is a natural in the large and small waves. It's really irregular, but it literally superimposes on these millimeter waves, especially, and you could literally um, drown it out so our body doesn't react because you know what? I found that people get, you know, reactivate their Lyme, they're reactivating, they're getting shingles, they're getting the Lyme reactivated with these vaccines because literally stresses the body out. And there is a frequency that is actually embedded in. And I talk about spike protein. I literally was shut on by 250 people at a wedding. They, they required everyone to get the vaccine. But my boyfriend basically, oh, we'll go to the wedding. And the, but he was the, the uncle he had to go. So I was guessed. I was put on his guest. They were mad at me because I basically said no, you know, and I showed up at this thing that I felt it. It was a spike protein fest. It was horrible. And I could feel it. Uh, Dr. Susan, drunk. could you bring your plane into land soon? You fired so much information. And I want to ask you a question about something you said in the first 10 seconds. It was that interesting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> spirochetes. Okay. Go at it. Now, fascinating that you brought up spirochetes. Probably a lot of people don't know what they are. And I know there's some sort of bacteria type thing. Could you explain? Because you started off by saying that this was something that was quite commonly found now and also something that you think might be related 
to problems that people are having either post-vaccine or with COVID. Could you just take that little sort of story down and give it to us in layman's terms? Because I'd love to know more about it. Well, I think the spirochetes, there was back in Plum Island, New York, back you know, when the Nazis, with Operation Paperclip, they came over and they took all their scientists over here and they were doing tick warfare back in, back in Nazi Germany. And they were like infecting, you know, like uh, making, you know, we won the re- revolutionary war. I have to go back. Revolutionary war by hiding in the woods and fighting back kind of in a guerrilla tactics. Well, essentially, how can they prevent us from doing that again? Well, you would actually infect the wildlife, infect the ticks. And so if someone gets bit by one of these things, it literally causes you to lose your mind, lose your ability to think, lose your energy. It causes mitochondrial dysfunction. It actually, and that's basically all the symptoms of Lyme disease is basically, if you don't have working mitochondria, which is basically energy powerhouse of the cell, you can't think, you can't move, your heart has palpitations. Well, so all of these kind of weird COVID symptoms are actually related to mitochondrial dysfunction. Well, when you clump the blood under the microscope, when you clot the blood in the vasculature, you're depriving the cells of mitochondria of oxygen. So you can't make, you know, the electron transport cascade makes 36 AP, no, actually 34 ATP. The mitochondria makes 36 glycolysis makes too you know so you go into fermentation so literally and lactic lactic acidosis will clump the system too so there's so many mechanisms oh god it's so hard to say this but spirochetes will activate under stress emf causes stress to the system but other stresses can actually cause this i think it's synthetic biology because i saw it under the microscope literally fuzz balls about a month or two after someone had a traumatic event and that traumatic event could be a smart meter put on their home, a root canal, uh, a surgery, a car accident. You know, it could be any type of physical or psychological um, stress. And I think that these spirochetes happen to be a synthetic biology. <laughs> um, I think they were mm. actually put in the chemtrails as desiccated red cells because this- oh let's not get on to chemtrails yet doctor we're still excited because um i've had long covid for two years and i started studying a lot of this because the first thing that happens when you get a blood test is huge plasma viscosity you get this thick blood and there are chickens and there are eggs and you have just given me a different version of chickens and eggs because by what you said I think I'm picking up that you feel it might be radio frequencies, EMFs, uh, radiation, 5G, whatever it might be, that might be causing or certainly adding to the viscosity and thickness of the blood. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I say that it's multifactorial. Um, They're not going to go after us one way. It's going to be multifactorial. There are many different causes of clumped blood. It's actually emotional and physical trauma emotional trauma you're there are low frequencies and i being sad fearful they're the shame lowest frequency that you can have and that actually perpetuates the loosh it's almost like they're putting loosh in the synthetic biology in the spike it emits a very negative frequency that literally will clump your okay. body 
Okay, so how does this explain it to somebody like myself in the group of people who got COVID naturally very early on in maybe late 2019 or early 2020? Those people started to get sick. They started to get organ problems because of the viscosity of the blood. Um, I'm not sure that I can explain or understand or believe completely that the viscosity of the blood was predominantly caused by frequencies. I think it's a combination of many different things. I mean, I could go and talk 24 hours okay, about this. Okay, well, I'm just fascinated, say, it's in our air, Fascinated. It's, it's in the <laughs> air or food or water. Look at tainted oil, fish oil. It's being pushed. You know, they don't understand, but fish oil clumps the blood. Uh, the adulterated you get, by any chance a paper a science paper or something because we're evidence-based in the preservation of, of the human race have you got a paper on science sort of sort um you know like lancet cell whatever it might be that shows that um frequencies can alter the viscosity of blood that's what i would love okay quick, um, on this topic before you change it call me up yeah david go for it you've been flashing away i can see you there um the clumping is also—it's called rouleau, and rouleau it ha- exactly. It has a certain charge, positive or negative. I forget which. The negative it, Z charge, a bit. I mean, okay. it's actually that with they lose the cells lose their negative G, G, Z okay. charge that actually keep them separated. So that polarity across the cell membrane actually is lost. So it literally, that's one of the factors. Something, yeah, um, so I had rouleau formation blood in my first blood panel, which is where the big fat red cells, already swollen, big inflamed red fat cells, are literally like sitting on top of each other, exactly. like pennies stacked on top then of each other. Okay, when in 2015. Okay, go ahead. Um, hydrogen, yes, is explosive. If you get it less than 4% by volume, it's not combustible. When people breathe hydrogen for health, they did a study on this. Strangely enough, it also causes something like rouleau, that it clumps together, but completely has the opposite of effects. And this was also help people with uh, COVID. It kicks out iron from the blood, and it, it has the opposite charge of the regular non-rouleau, which can actually pull oxygen into the blood without having the iron okay let me tell you let me explain that it does miracles for your health well let me let me explain that it's interesting but the lactic acidosis actually causes there's a buffering effect with the hemoglobin itself that donates the histidine groups that actually kind of buffer that acid and when those 32 histidine groups on the hemoglobin are donated, it has a configurational cha- a shape change where iron can't fit. And so the free iron is actually expelled, which is actually toxic. Free iron is very toxic, but also without iron binding to the hemoglobin, you end up actually having a suffocating cell syndrome uh, or the oxygen cannot bind. You actually have uh, empty boxcars, essentially oxygen depleted hemoglobin because it has no place to bind. So if you can reestablish that buffering system, you can really recouple iron and hemoglobin so you can carry oxygen. So that is and, probably one of the phenomena. 
and and breathing hydrogen gas will solve that it'll put oxygen inside the blood it gives it the charge that allows it to hold on to it even without having the iron right That's well actually you don't need iron you don't need iron because we have enough sequestered iron that we don't really need to supply it it's a basically an iron instead of iron availability we have enough iron it's just the sequestration of it it's that that's why it recouples because you're literally re-establishing the buffering system and putting the histidine putting the uh, hydroxyls back on the histidine so it has a configurational shape that fit the iron will actually rebind and recouple with it that's that's why Josh, well, look, um, there's a connection there as well. Sorry, David, hang on a sec, because I'm just going to get this uh, wonderful, amazing theory from this very clever doctor. Um, With dendromas, which is pretty much the topic of this room, there is also, uh, within these scientific papers, um, quite a lot of reference to dendromas operating in a lower oxygen environment. Um, Is that something that we could tie into? Because what I'm trying to find out is... Once you've got your high plasma viscosity, you've got your rouleau formation, big red cells, you're low on platelets, you're low on white cells, um, you're starting to get maybe these little microclots occurring around the body. And then let's assume you've got these dendromas already in your system as well. The dendromas can be activated by the level of oxygen in the bloodstream. Yeah, that, 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 that basically, if you clump your blood, you pleat your oxygen. So it, the dendromer... Ah, dendromer would be, I mean, I think you could make one with any, you know, targeting a low oxygen state. Yes. So, um, you know, cell signaling. Well, you stopped it. You're smashing it. It's brilliant. Let's just get David because I interrupted him. I'm very sorry, David. Let's go back to you. Oh, I was just asking her um, what that what she was describing is she saying that's what hydrogen does for the blood. That's what I was asking. Yes, and it re- reestablishes the buffering system. It allows for the hydroxyls to go back on the histi- the, to the histidine, their amino acids, the histidine. That actually, it literally reconfigures the hemoglobin so it has the shape that will bind to the iron if it if iron will recouple it'll it'll fit again because essentially if you change when you have a a state of lactic acidosis that's what happens when you clump the blood you actually end up fermenting you don't you're going to have a lactic acidosis and 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 the way our bodies are amazing well we have buffers that prevent us from you know actually dying quickly it's a slow death but essentially they um donate you know the hydroxyls to kind of buffer that lactic acid so what the hydrogen gas is doing is reallowing allowing you know the reconfiguration of the proper shape of hemoglobin so it can bind the iron to carry the oxygen to actually prevent the lactic acidosis because you've got it in with oxygen, you have a reducer, you know, for the uh, mitochondrial function because you can create the ATP. Much more, most of the ATP is done by aerobic metabolism, and uh, and, and 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 essentially you re reestablish steady state in the system using oxygen, using aerobic metabolism instead of fermentation or anaerobic. And most most anaerobes, most pathogens are actually anaerobic. 
So they don't like oxygen. Cancer doesn't like oxygen. So you can, re- if you can facilitate the use of oxygen and water, get, uh, be able to absorb oxygen, use oxygen, because if your hemoglobin isn't able to accept the oxygen, it, it actually causes free radical, uh, it causes more oxidative stress because oxygen oxidizes things and oxidative stress causes free radicals that actually create more damage to the system. Uh, oxygen that's not actually absorbed. So you can have uh, layers. Yeah, that's a big part of long COVID. Sorry, doctor, to interrupt because I've got long COVID brain. I'll forget it if I don't interrupt. But um, you're exactly bang on there with this very low oxygen um, comparatively to uh, people that haven't got long COVID, um, which leads continuously this low oxygen state to continued um, organ destruction, um, cellular breakdowns, you know, many other things. Um uh, so the little oxygen monitor that you put on your fingers, for example, many people with long COVID, they will regularly be showing sort of 82 to 85. And they've been living like that for many months. That becomes their state, which they are living in this deprived low oxygen state. I mean, your teeth go gray because they lose the oxygen from them. And you learn to breathe differently. Your um, brain, which is actually probably um, damaged, damaged itself from a change in, in, the, in the neurochemicals that are being used in the brain because you've got no regulators. Um, you've got an un- imbalance in hormones, endocrines, everything else going on. Um, and this leads to this horrible um, low oxygen state, which is causing a lot of the long-term cumulative aspects of this horrid disease. Well, all you have to do is unclump the blood. And I, I, I do it time after time again. It can apply to anything. But you give the cells the components they need. You actually deal with the EMF by noise field technology. You literally, um, you could have organ, um, the word 32 hertz uh, superimposition pads. I've, I've found several different devices, even uh, Shungite. You know, you actually can override that stress factor. because I'm wearing huge. a Shungite necklace as we speak, doctor. <laughs> yeah. You could put organ pipes in your yard and actually make the whole earth an organ pipe. I have birds and bees. I have honeybees. I have literally so much life that I put in my yard by actually layering EMF protection. I've hardwired most of my, I have a 10 year old router and I have organ sticks and, you know, different crystals and, um, you know, emirate technology and, you know, it's a, a life tune. I so it's just different, different ways of actually getting the, Are the, you uh, ozone? I actually am not actually, I, I, I was on my, I don't need it. I, I, if I'm fine. I mean, I basically, I, 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 it's funny. It's, it's on my list if I needed it. But honestly, no, I I'm actually... Saying, I'm saying it's, a, it's, a, it's an easy fix for a lot of people because I think, I think kind of the challenge is you've got people that are at a high level like you're at, and then you have people that are just kind of new to, to the environment of stuff. Well, I think um, ozone, okay, ozone is a great, it is a wonderful for actually layering, and, and I'm actually not practicing medicine. I'm retired, so I'm a, a I'm a think tank. I'm not owned by anybody. I am an independent thinker, and I'm, I have freedom to basically connect dots. So, uh, Doctor Susan, what kind of doctor hey, are you? Just because uh, I'm 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 here. I'm Holery. I'm here. Just come no, by. I just, I, just, I just got my car stuff. So. 
I muted you, doctor, so you're fine with your phone call. Uh, James, I, I seen you on mic. Did you get to speak much? I wanted to welcome you and stuff. Oh, no, thank you, thank you. No, I was just saying that, um, so they have ozone air filters that have been out forever, for over 20 plus years now. And um, what happened early on, and this was kind of my, uh, my understanding and learning about this from the different of uh, the typical Western medicine, um, it was very interesting because I was kind of, you know, just assuming and learning and, and figuring these things out. And, it, you know, I had a lot of weird information thrown to me that was very different. It seemed weird at the time. Of course, now it's like, oh, my God, it all makes sense. But, but you know, you can buy a, a ozone air filter. And um, uh, there are several companies that make them. And what they do is they have a radio frequency in them, uh, like the doctor was talking about. But this radio frequency, what it does is actually it actually uh, does a charge in the air and it causes all your dirt particles and all that stuff to clump together and then drop to the floor. And then it creates ozone. And what I thought was very interesting about it was there were a lot of people. And this was 20 plus years ago. And there were a lot of people. And they were actually um, using the ozone and suddenly they didn't have cancer anymore. And what it was found was that the ozone was basically oxygenating cancer and what the root cause of cancer was that was understood, and this is back in the, the late 80s, they actually found and figured out what the root cause of cancer was. It was lack of oxygen to your cells. And so your cells start to mutate and da 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 and they either start to die or they start to replicate, replicate mutated cells, right. and that continues. And there's the whole MAP case signaling pathway and all that stuff. But the ozone, and you can buy an ozone air filter, and what happens is it's basically creating this fresh ozone that's enriching your body with oxygen. And, you know, it's interesting just to, to touch on the frequency component. I work for a company called Primeco, which most people may or may not remember what that is. That was back in 1996, 97, 98 which is what is present day in the U.S. Uh, called Verizon. And the base station, senior base station engineers always explain to me, have a wired headset, because that's there wasn't earbuds and all that back then, but it was use a wired headset because of the frequency that the phone is pulsing out. And that is basically, you know, you're, if you're using, and this was the first digital phone that did text messaging and all this stuff, um, CDMA, code division, multiple access, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, you're basically, if you're holding the phone to your head, you might as well, like if you go microwave, I don't know, some macaroni or something in your microwave, right? Do you put your head next to the microwave? The answer is no. You inherently know there's a reason why you shouldn't do that. Nobody had to explain to you what it was, but you just inherently know that. Well, that's the same thing as the phone. So the phone is operating at 5.4 gigahertz. So it's basically a super, super advanced microwave that's pulsating stuff through your head. And so you can look at cancer stuff like this. And I asked him, I was like, well, you know, does this cause cancer? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. He goes, we've already done the studies. We've already done the tests we knew. This was in 96. And I go, well, why doesn't this come out? He goes, well, they can't sell cell phones if this ever comes out. And he actually showed me the documents and the paperwork and the testing and the lab rats and everything they did. And I was just sitting there going, oh, my God. He goes, yeah. So like I said, plug a, a wire thing into your thing and don't keep your phone in your pocket next to your balls. You know, as a guy, it was you know, a fun combo. But anyway. He's like, don't keep it there because this is, yeah, got to have fun with this, right? He's like, yeah, this, this is what's happening. And so, you know, what's interesting for people that are still trying to understand what is this frequency and all this, you know, again, it's, it's hard because you're having high level conversations and new people entry and there's like low, medium and high level understanding. What's very interesting is if you look at the Travis Scott, okay, he's a rapper guy. He was down in Houston, Texas, and he had a concert and Eight people there 
died of a heart attack. Eight people at his concert. Now, what was interesting is I started to see this kind of rumbling about frequencies and all this stuff. And I actually watched the YouTube video of the point at which he was singing and they died. And the thing is, watching it on YouTube at a low volume, again, imagine being there with these giant speakers and all this. I could literally start to feel my heart react to the music because it was such very low tones. I would not recommend watching it, especially if you have a heart condition. But the thing is, they literally had eight people die and they had about 32 people that had to go to the ER. They simply passed out. Now, part of it, people are saying, well, you have, you know, were they, were they given the shot? Was this a thing with the shot? Well, I think that could be, that may be part of it. I still haven't really personally seen enough on it. But what I do know is frequencies impact. And there's a thing that's called the Rife device, RFIE device. They figured this out a long time ago on how they could actually destroy cells with frequencies. James, my lovely James, I haven't seen you for a while, but I'm going to stop you. We're moving <laughs> okay. rooms, guys. We're actually joining up with some other guys and girls in another Preservation of the Human Race room. Uh, there's a link at the top. I'm coming over with you, but I just want everybody, please, we are talking the same sort of things about frequencies and the effects and all the sorts of things we've been talking here, plus more. Mariam's over there waiting for you. Please click the link at the top and go to our new room. Okay, I'll see you there. Move now, please. See you there. Awesome. James. I'll hang out for just a minute while you guys move over. Move, move, move. I wish we had a song with move so I don't have to sing it's this. It's called Move, move, it, move, it, move, move. Oh, yeah, Robert. I wanted to ask a question. Everybody who's in the room, please move. We are closing this room and rolling it into the next room on a similar topic run by Mariam and other people, including myself, at the Preservation of the Human Race. Click okay, the link. Okay, I'm at new the top. here. So, how do you get? So, you just click on the Preservation yeah, of the Human the link Race. link at the top. And it'll take you into another room, Doctor, and we can see you there. And we'd love your expertise because it's bang on what we're discussing. Okay, so basically, I just want to make sure um, you just click. Uh, I guess I'm in here, and I guess I follow. Okay. I'm yeah, try talking. clicking the link. Any problems, contact me on the back channel, Doctor, and I'll sort it for you. Okay, thank you so much. No problem. Okay. Okay. People, get out. Get out of my room. Go, go, go. Hey, <laughs> get out. Hey, go away. <laughs> hey, Penny. Penny, so now you know to look up hydrogen for health for the issues you have. Yeah, I'm putting it on my list, David. God, I'm getting a longer list. By the minute I start to talk about stuff I've already researched, I'm on to the next one. <laughs> kind, right, kind the room is closing now. Sorry, David, this is the last call for closing, we are moving over to Let's Talk Reset in the Preservation of the Human Race. I am closing this room now, so please move over. Get your bottom off the couch, get running, put your sneakers on. Go, 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 go. Go, 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 because we are going. <laughs>